Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? And the FDA failed in this, and they, they allowed them not to submit the numbers for the absolute risk reduction, the ARR. So it literally takes 120 people to get two shots to decrease symptoms in one, one patient. And so of those 120, how many people are going to end up with autoimmune disease two to three years down the road? How many are going to end up with cancer two to three years down the road, or four or five years? We don't know. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already, and this is very, very concerning. We're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re a reverse HIV. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone, and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Very focused today. A very important discussion about the development, the lack of research, all of the same problems that are being that are present in the new booster shot, as they love to call these new another injection that is now as I just saw before I went live, also approved or whatever terms they want to use that are meaningless today by the CDC and the FDA as we just as happened yesterday and how alarming this is because every single problem that we can point to didn't change. It's just it's actually kind of unreal that this is even still happening, like at least in the, in the way that it is like I never expect I never thought for a second that this would just get put away. I, you, you'll see as we go through this today that you, it's obvious that at some level, I think almost all levels, that the people are aware that there's something wrong and choosing not to do anything about it or are aware of that and are allow, and want that to happen for whatever reason. But we'll go through all of the data from all the from the FDA, from from the, from Europe about the different changes or the, the, the lies around what can happen with this and the complete contradictions that come from the information that we just came from, the, 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 whether we're talking about the original, the bivalent, or any other variation therein, all of these being emergency authorized, other than comernity, which as far as we can tell, as far as we can prove, 
has never been given out in the United States. And so they're still standing on this false or rather illusory approval and arguing that now they can add to that approval and give you a new shot and say it's approved, even though it's different entirely. I I should say entirely because I'll get into the differences. But ultimately, that is, I mean, I think that's illegal, quite frankly, but also using emergency use authorization to allow the shot for, for children. While we are verifiably no longer in an emergency, verifiably we never were, other than the, a government-created emergency. But how any of this makes sense to anybody, I think, quite frankly, they're playing on the ignorance of, the ignorance of most people. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. Like, the, most people just don't understand. I, I didn't understand a lot of this stuff before we immersed ourselves in it to understand it for you. But in regard to how the emergency use authorization works, the the FDA version, the HHS version, and and how these, it's just meant to be confusing. And then we also will point out as we go through today, multiple amendments to the acts they're using in the middle of the crisis. Because of course you can just amend an emergency act because you want to alter to do the for, to achieve what you want, and that's completely allowed, right? I mean, it's just completely lawless as far as I can tell. But my point of today alone is to go through the information around the injection, what it means what you should understand, and what you should know in regard to talking to your friends, talking to a doctor who may recommend this for you or your family, and understanding the risks and the lack of information. There is less information around this than anything in the entire series of these shots so far, from anything we've seen from the beginning of COVID-19 in the context of vaccination. It's unbelievable, the lack of information, the lack of study. And again, all of the same problems, not tested on pregnant people. And this is even crazier because they're standing on it's best if we just go through this so you guys can watch and 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 all the source material as always will be included so you can research this yourselves and and look further in case i may miss something or in case you want to go further down that rabbit that that rabbit hole in general so we're going to start today right out of the gate with what i just put out yesterday now again like i said the cdc part of that at least i saw like right before we went live they're saying that they have now uh, you know, confirmed or agreed with what the FDA and Pfizer, of course, which is where it all comes from, or and Moderna. <laughs> I seem to hyper-focus on Pfizer for obvious reasons. They're both a problem, but I think you'll see that. I mean, it's also just easier to pick one angle and look at the information around one of them as opposed to both because there's a lot. But either way, Pfizer's, in my opinion, and based on the research, a lot more dangerous. And that actually goes right back to their phase three reevaluation data, which shows you that it's 36% more dangerous than not taking it. It's amazing that we can't, and that's even been referenced by the Wall Street, or, uh, Wall Street Journal and a post by Dr. McCary. We'll get to that in a little bit. But right out of the gate, this is what I saw. So I just wanted to share this early yesterday when I saw it. I, w- I was only focusing on September 11th stuff yesterday, so I didn't really, I was thought about doing a show, but I decided to wait. And I'm glad I did because it, lots developed. But the FDA, and I love how they post this. I'm going to go through all these documents, so we'll come back to this. I'm just going to show you some stuff in the beginning. FDA takes action on updated mRNA COVID vaccines. Which is so, so instead of saying in the headline, FDA approves the shot, they say takes action. They really want you to think almost just don't even look at this because we're just ta- we're just kind of move, we're just pushing it down the line, right? This isn't something new and different. We're just taking action on the same old thing you've been taking. It's all good, safe and effective and benefits that way the risk. Just go back to sleep. I mean, that's how it feels to me in the whole the way they covered this. Very manipulative, very intentionally opaque in a lot of ways. But as it says, the up, as I, I quoted, the updated shots were designed to target XBB15 variant. Now, we all knew that. 
especially if you watch this show and anybody informed, because that's what we were telling you, despite the, the conflated way they covered this. Mandy Cohen acting like they would cover just everybody acting like this was going to be OK, no matter what variant under the sun was happening that day, even though that's ridiculous. And that's why I play that to begin with. We've already seen how this has gone before. It's designed to target XBB15, which I'll show you Dr. Peter McCullough's point. That's less than 3% of what's happening now. They've already missed the mark. And this is what it's ta- we discuss about even if you don't think these things are there, and I'm completely in line with that possibility, the point is to reach the people who are still possibly taking it. You guys out there that are like, viruses aren't real, which you people listening should consider that possibility. I'm in the middle. I don't feel either side is completely sound yet, but my point is that ultimately you, – you guys aren't taking it, and I know that. So I'm not worried about trying to... My point is about reaching the average person that buys the whole narrative. So what I'm trying to do is step into what they're showing them and show you that their narrative right now shows that other things they told them are lies or at the very least contradictory. And that is about reaching those people. You sit, I hope you guys all out there, the honest people in these fields can understand where I'm coming from and not that we're just buying the narrative about what's currently happening. That's a really important point. And I get why people would feel that problematic if they didn't know where I was coming from. So when I when they say XBB15, and we can prove it's not even really there anymore, and their best argument is, well, it should have an effect, and realize that even the effect that they argued would happen if it was made just right is minimal and goes away very fast. But the point is, they go, well, it should. There's enough of an overlap that it probably has a good effect. Well, that's not science. That's not even medicine. That's rolling the dice based on something you want to work because of other reasons than health. It's crazy. Then it says that variant, and this is literally in their own document, that variant is no longer dominant. Though experts and administration officials have said the vaccines should still be effective. That is not a joke. That's actually what the FDA wrote in this document. Cool. (laughs) We'll just assume and hope it works out for everybody. That's what the FDA is supposed to do, right? (laughs) Just baffling. And I said, well, once again, with emergency use authorization, guys, for some of the age groups, Unbelievable. And I just wanted this. I realized when I wrote this that other than reading this, it wasn't clear what was happening. So I just kind of captioned again and just said they just approved the XBB shot despite even less data than before. Nothing safe or effective about this. Let's not forget the British Medical Journal showing that it was a net harm for adolescents. Now, here's one of the things I'm going to say a few times. I have it on a note somewhere in here, but I'm willing to bet you right now that they're just, even though it's already shifted you know, from the original thing to to a new BA1 version and then a BA, then a bivalent version. Those are all the same things that we're talking about here in the sense of what they argue is happening. A new sequence, a new protein being focused on. In the bivalence case, two things, right? So understand, B1 was just the one thing. Then they went bivalent and they said, okay, just these two things. Now they went back and said, okay, just the XBB15 protein. That's all we're focusing on. Everything else we're supposed to, we're told, which I, I think that's the case, but again, who knows what they're lying about. Everything else we're told stays the same. The lipid nanoparticle delivery, the mRNA instruction, blah, blah, blah. So what I'm, gonna say, what I'm saying, though, is I bet you now, because this is an important shift for them, that they're going to argue that, whoa, all of the stuff from before no longer matters. It's a new thing now, even though they're simultaneously trying to walk the line of, it's just a new booster, but it's also a completely different thing so we don't have to adhere to the old problems. I, I already see it happening. So when I say the net harm part, well, I already see people going, well, it's a different shot. What do you mean it's a different shot? Why didn't you make those arguments when you were talking about efficacy in the context of the last ones? You argued everywhere that, well, it's the same different thing. So or it's basically the same thing. So the efficacy does make sense. And you're going to see that through all these documents. They will argue 
that based on the efficacy of the original shot, and so an 8, 12 to 14, 12 to 20 or whatever, that will argue this one is effective too. I'm not kidding. The art that, that they can just move over that data from something that was that long ago. I'm telling you, they're going to play this game, and it's wildly dishonest. Now, one thing, by the way, out of the gate that I thought was really interesting, I have happened to see the word Kraken come up over and over over the process of this, and I just thought that was strange, seeing as how there was this weird focus on release the Kraken and some kind of weird Q-focused Trump side of the conversation. I, I Maybe it means nothing, but this new XB15 is known as Kraken. I just thought that was kind of interesting. I feel like I've already seen that come up as a variant before in this discussion, but either way, I just find that odd. Right. So it's what's funny is all the people that are in that mindset, if it was anything even like tangentially connected to Biden, this would be the hugest open thing ever. We knew it. Biden's releasing the problem. And she told us and it was going to be the Kraken was a, the inside wink, wink, nudge to let us know. But of course, because it ties to Trump, we could never possibly consider that Trump was winking, telling us that we're going to release the Kraken, which could be a virus and blah, blah, blah. You get my point. I just think it's funny. The willful ignorance around certain things. That's how Q works, though. You only look where you want to look, you know. Now, I told you this yesterday. This is something you should just bookmark. I remember I was telling you the day that it was that was the last post. I said, see, there is no new shot. Making fun of Mandy Cohen saying, we know it's going to work for these and take them and it's safe and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you don't even have the new data. As much as I argue she probably had insight to the data that was there, to simply argue that you knew these things would be safe or you knew that they would be effective against X, Y, and Z. Well, first of all, she was wrong, and I can prove that, but also... She's just saying that because that's what you're supposed to say. The shot wasn't even, the information was not even released to the public. Now it is, as of yesterday. FDA takes action on the updated vaccine to better protect against currently circulating variants. That is a far cry from a safe and effective 100%, doesn't st- stop transmission, you won't get sick, you won't go to the hospital. All of this nonsense, they vomited all over everybody. Now it says, well, they're taking action for an updated thing that better protects you against possible variants. Wow, that's changed. <laughs> That escalated quickly. So here is where we're going to start with the FDA page. They take action on the updated version. That's an important thing they're really going to stress. This is just a slight little tweak. Same thing, safe and effective as before, as ever before, even though that we've proven that they weren't ever. So what's funny is every time they go, it's just as safe as the other one. We should go, that's exactly why I'm not going to take it, because none of them are safe. Today, yesterday, the FDA took action approving and authorizing, it's just so stupid, for emergency use, updated COVID vaccines formulated, get this, to more closely target currently circulating variants. Not not perfect. You know, we took a shot. More closely, you'll be the experiment. And to provide better protection against serious consequences of COVID. See, we're not even playing the game of stopping transmission anymore because that's how that cat's out of the bag. I don't think any of the things ever even been designed to do that. Now they're even telling you the flu shot won't do that. It just make, it makes it go from wild to mild. That's their new sell point for the flu shot. So we've always been lied to, guys. I think everybody's starting to come to terms with this. But what's note here that it says against serious consequences of COVID-19, including hospitalization and death. Now, I'm going to show you in other posts coming directly from Pfizer where they interestingly and ominously leave off the death part. Reduces the consequences of COVID, including hospitalization. So what it says on the Pfizer page, I wonder why. Maybe legal liability? But either way, serious consequences of not stopping it, not stopping you from catching it, not even potentially reducing the severity, just saying that we argue it better protects you against hospitalization and death. You know, despite literally everything we've shown you, the show is the exact opposite of that, right up to right now. Peer-reviewed. I mean, there's a mountain of peer-reviewed science 
challenge. I mean, up at like the last week, in fact, we just showed you the last show scathing peer-reviewed science that just came out that's like these things are not safe, that they that we need to reevaluate the entire safety profile, that the and everything. And I'll show you in the new information they're giving that they're now even listing directly on there that myocarditis and pericarditis are a side effect. Not rare. It says right there, just one of the side effects. Amazing how fast that changes, right? We were censored a lot. We got kicked off Patreon other places for making that. Ca- Not that we knew it was happening all the time, but that it was possible. Yeah, and they'll still, they, you, I can try to appeal Patreon right now. They'll still tell, tell you I spread misinformation for saying the thing that they now admit is, is happening. Now, when it says under, you need to know. Individuals five, of, five years of age or older, regard, this is the same thing I said about the bivalent. Tell me if I'm missing something here. This doesn't make sense unless there's a hyper-focus on getting more of these into children's arms. Unless I'm missing something, you tell me what you think. It says individuals five years of age or older, regardless of previous vaccination. That's the important part. So where does it matter what they've gotten before? If you're five years or older, you're eligible to get one dose of the updated new XBB shot. Individuals six months through four years who have been previously vaccinated are eligible to receive one or two doses of an updated shot. So that, I mean, that, I guess it would be based on like where they are in the process. But even then, why would it be regardless of vaccination status if you're five or older? But then suddenly if you're younger, well, give them two, right? I mean, so you could take the same person, the same scale of vaccination process that's six, but they only get one no matter what. But if you're six months old, you could possibly get two. I just don't even know how that logically makes sense. But it gets even crazier when it says, unvaccinated individuals. Now, first of all, if the idea is five or older and regardless of being previously vaccinated, why would there even be a vac- an unvaccinated spot? Like, I guess it does say six to four, so I take that back. Unvaccinated six to four, you're eligible for three doses. So again, the point is, how is it suddenly when you're six years old, it does, you're only eligible to get one no matter whether you've ever gotten anything or you have seven. But if you're four years old, and unvaccinated, you can get three. You see what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I, but you guys tell me what you think. Now, going forward, it says the FDA is confident in the safety and efficacy of these updated vaccines. Right. Just like they were confident before. Right. So whether you believe them or not, that they genuinely are confident about that doesn't mean anything. Because they said the exact same thing before. We're confident, safe and effective. In fact, they floated 100% efficacy all the time. Borla did it. Pfizer did it in different context. The, the media did it all over the place. Borla personally said that a one from South Africa said 100%. The FDA as well, coming all over the place. But they were wrong. Even they've had to I mean, grudgingly and half-heartedly admit some parts of that, even though they were wrong about damn near everything. But, but don't worry now because they're confident, guys. They're confident that this one is safe and effective. And I'm going to blast that concept in a second. And the agency's benefit risk assessment demonstrates that the benefits of these vaccines for individuals six or older outweigh their risks. Well, okay, six months of age or older. So I guess because they're not even talking about beneath that. But either way, the benefits outweigh the risks. It's fundamentally false. That is objectively false. Look, it doesn't matter whether we pretend. I mean, even at this point, realize that their own data has now shown that this one was never worse than the flu. Even they've had to admit that less than 0.1% or I think they said less than one, but overall it is 0.03% infection fatality rate beneath 59 years old. Under 69, it's 0.07. 
94% of the population exist within that range. 94% of the population are dramatically less risk than the flu from the very beginning when they said it was the worst pandemic in a century. Now they're all telling you it's less. And they want you to believe that you're somehow at more risk than them. How could the benefits outweigh the risks when the risks are at very least myocarditis? That alone outweighs the non-serious flu risk they pretend is there. I mean, I just rattled that off the top of my head. But it's factually accurate, and you guys know that. And we can prove this 100 times over. The age stratified... Oops, that's the search button. Hold on. Infection fatality rate study that came out January 2023. It's exactly what I'm citing. Peer-reviewed study. Ionitis group, one of the most respected groups in this field. Very clearly. Pre-vaccination. 0.03, 0.07. Respectively. 94% of the population is in that age range. That's in the beginning, before vaccines ever came in the stage. And yet they're trying to tell you that right now it's worth it. And that's just taking just one of them. How about Bell's palsy? How about heart attacks and strokes and blood clots and everything else that we're seeing? How about all the anomalous stuff they pretend isn't even associated? All of the excess death we can't even factor in. But totally, benefits that way the risk. We'll just pretend all of these anomalies. We like Think about that. They're admitting to you that, well, we don't know. That, you know. We're baffled. We're baffled by all these anomalies. But we're going to go ahead and assume that they're not, even though we haven't re- looked into it, and tell you the benefits that way, the risks, while there's all these issues we haven't factored in or even fleshed out yet. Think about how stupid that is. The updated vaccines, it goes on to say, are expected to provide. Expected. They're guessing, like always, because we're in the same realm here, guys. This is like the flu, and they're, and they're letting some information come out about the flu that they don't randomize trial these like they don't in most of them that we should care about because, well, they're experts and they estimate based on the variant every year. That's what they're doing with COVID. And they're trying to pretend like that makes sense. Never has protection against COVID-19 from circulating variants. We, we, the updated are expected to provide good protection barring the emergence of a markedly more virulent variant. Oh, great. So even you put in a caveat, well, if something else happens, we can't be held accountable. Well, that's all the thing that we're saying too, isn't it? When we say, but the variant is gone. Now we're in a different, oh, it's probably safe and effective anyway. It probably is going to work the same way. But then they go ahead and add in there, well, barring the emergence of something different. That's exactly what we're saying. It says the FDA anticipates that the composition of COVID vaccines may need to be updated annually, as is done for the seasonal flu vaccine. Right. This sounds like a marketing scheme for me, quite frankly. I mean, atop on all that, I think there's something much darker going on. But if you're just a person who doesn't want to get into all the possible theories, that alone is enough. Why you would trust this based on limited information with people that have already been caught lying about something that we've proven is dangerous at its core, the platform itself. Now we're just going to make it updated every year. We'll guess. We'll give you the best possible guess about something that's happening and tell you to take this new gene therapy. Manufacturers have publicly announced that the updated vaccines would be ready this fall. So here's an interesting point. I'm already seeing all over the place that are people are pushing, go get your booster now. Right? Go look anywhere. The sign's all over the place. Walgreens, get your new booster. What do you mean your new booster? That's not out yet. Oops. Well, just because they say it's approved doesn't mean it's on the shelves yet. But see, already, because it doesn't matter. They're already going, go get it. Go get the new one. Go get the other ones. And people think, oh, well, I'll get the booster. It's ready. They just told me it's proved. I'm going to go get the new booster. And they'll get a booster. And they'll not even being told that it's probably the Wuhan thing from the beginning for all they know. That's still out there somewhere. On top of all of that, here's another interesting part. And this is what I think is interesting as well, because you can, right now, I just saw it today. You can find the bivalent shot being given right this moment. And guess what? As of yesterday, 
As far as yesterday's actions, the bivalent Moderna and Pfizer shots are no longer authorized. Think about that. So right now, there are people in this country that are giving that bivalent shot. Because I promise you this isn't being immediately pulled, even though technically that's illegal. As of right now, and it should have been anyway, since the emergency is no longer valid, and they just amended things to make that work, to pretend you can still give somebody an emergency authorized shot when the emergency is no longer there, because that's totally logical, right? But now they've removed the emergency authorization from the shot itself. Okay, so they're telling you the bivalent shot is no longer available. But I can prove to you it's being given right this moment. And I'll promise you it'll probably still be given somewhere anyway. And then on top of that, people are rushing out to get something. So if that's not available, let's just say they're even that up on the news and pulled the thing right off the shelf. What are they giving them? Probably the B1 or some earlier Wuhan strain that's literally even further removed. I mean, it's just this is just so broken. It makes me sad because so many people are still falling for this. The benefit risk profile of previously authorized and approved. So that means the community has never been given and whatever else was emergency authorized. The previous risk profile benefit or risk profile of those shots is well understood, they say, as as these vaccines have been administered to hundreds of millions of people. Okay, so what they're kind of conflating there, first of all, because let's realize they're talking. This is under the the cup. This is under the title of the new shot. So when people read this, now they say previously authorized and approved, but what they're saying is that because they're using this information based on an evaluation of the totality of evidence, the risk, pro, the benefit risk profile is favorable based on the previous one. This is not even one. I didn't even pick up on this. That's why it's not highlighted. But this is all over the place, the same kind of game. So what they're saying right there is that ba- the, the previous one that we feel was understood and it's good to go, even though we all know that's not true. All of these, uh, the British Medical Journal alone, or the, the phase three reevaluation data showing 36% worse of an issue, which I have in here. I don't want to seek it out. I'll show you when we get there. And yet they're going, but it's good though. And based on that assumption, or rather the forced lie, we're going to tell you the new one is just as good for six month year old kids that don't need it because it's less than the flu. And the kids in, in particular seem to be oddly unique, uniquely avo- able to avoid whatever's happening. Just, just unbelievable. Approval of community to include the 2023-2024 formula. And this is a, another insight to what they're already telling. It's not, we're going to talk about doing this. This is what's happening. This is going to be an updated thing that they do every year, unless, unless there's a new little thing that they decide to push. Oh, a new weird variant that came out for the middle of the year. We'll need an extra booster this year. That's what they're telling you. So what they're already showing you is the approval of community which I'm going to get into because we're, they're literally calling this community. They're calling this new XBB approved version for whatever it was, 12 and over, a community, even though that has never been used. And now they're just jumping right over this phantom thing they said was on the shelf that they used to get the people in military injected. And that's why they're being sued for that and just jumping into this one. They're piggybacking on a false approval to make this make sense. And it says community was previously approved as a two-dose series. Right, so what, what, but we're just going to change that to one dose. No big deal. Is that how this is supposed to go? You can just kind of tweak and alter things and go, well, it's still approved because we'll just say that. If you change ingredients, if you change these things, historically, they're supposed to be reevaluated. Why? I mean, this is what blows my mind about all this. Is there are people in all of this that are very aware of this that just don't say anything. The approval of community was granted to Biotech Manufacturing GmbH. Now, I wanted to mention this. I'm not even exactly sure 
the importance of this. I know it's important, but there's been a lot of people that have been doing a lot more research than I have on specifically the difference between BioNTech and, and what part they play and then Pfizer respectively and why it's important, which one holds what. I think this is important. So for those that know more on this, speak in the chat, let us know, reach out to me. We can cover this in the future. The approval of Comirnaty was granted to BioNTech Manufacturing. So that's so the first point for Comirnaty, the one that was never given, that was granted to BioNTech. That is interesting, actually. So the manufacturer, not actually Pfizer. What does that mean? Then it says the emergency use authorization amendment for the Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccine, the new formula was issued to Pfizer. Why? I mean, it's a genuine, I don't know. That doesn't even make sense. Why would it, why would it change? And I realized that what they're saying is not the, so the community version of this from before, including the new formula. So they just piggyback, that's biotech. So biotech apparently has the approval that's been granted to them directly for the new version that which most people will get. But the EUA version that's only for children and the older ones, I guess, because this all just kind of lumped in together is only for Pfizer. I don't know. You tell me. That does not make sense. There's something wrong there. There's some kind of weird legal sidestep, I think. Now, before we go forward, on the safe and effective benefits outweigh the risk concept, I thought this was a good idea to play again. So we're going to go through this. We're going to kind of jump in, do some points here and there, one about natural immunity and so on. So watch this clip, and we'll get right back into the information about, uh, there's a good post here from Epoch Times discussing something that I think they're trying to skip right over that I don't see anybody else talking about that apparently the bivalent shot that they just rush to get off the shelf drops to near zero. In fact, negative efficacy, like right away. No shock for you guys. Every one of them has done that. But realize how stark that is when they're just jumping right over that, doing the same exact thing. Why do they argue a new protein is going to make the whole thing act differently? It's just these people are desperate, I think. Before we get to that, this is a great post that I shared. Uh, this Dr. Ben Tapper shared this. And I simply point out the old safe and effective lie and the benefits outweigh the risks manipulation are not new. Here it is being deployed to gaslight Americans on thermarisol. You know, the thing we all have accepted is dangerous. But back then, telling you through the government, safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risks. Why can't we see that the same game is still being played today? I argue because of the two-party illusion. But they still have thermosal yes, in them. Yes, they still also have multi-dose vials that do contain Why don't they go to single-dose vials? Um, I know that they are considering the feasibility of... Why don't you tell them to do that? Um, we, we consider these vaccines, which also contain thimerosals, a preservative to be safe and effective. However, we do consider that it's important to have vaccines. Did, did you hear any of the testimony earlier from those people that were testifying, those scientists and doctors? Yes, I did. Did you see the, the study from Canada there that showed the damage it's done when a very minute amount of mercury is given, put in proximity to brain cells? I think it's hard to extrapolate that data to what actually happens in the clinical situation. Well, you know, every study that's been done, doctor, that you guys have put forth as uh, uh, showing that there's no correlation between thimerosal and autism doesn't say categorically that thimerosal doesn't cause autism. They never say that. Can you tell me right now, categorically, without any doubt whatsoever, that mercury in vaccines does not cause autism? I think what I'd have to say is what the Institute of Medicine concluded is that the body of evidence neither allows no, you to I, don't, I want you to give me a, I want you to give me a yes or no. Can you I, tell me? 
can you say right now, just flat out, just say, can you tell me without any doubt whatsoever that the mercury in vaccines does not cause neurological problems or autism? We can neither accept nor reject a causal relationship. So what you're... What's, what's important to understand right there, they love to argue benefits outweigh the risks in the sense that the risks are to you, right? So you're at risk from whatever danger we say is there. So because they're so altruistic and care so much about you, they're going to get, they're going to give you something that we're not completely sure is safe, but you need it. So we're going to kind of break these rules for you. But the truth is that's never been what this is about. It's about the company and the agenda, right? When you say the benefits outweigh the risks, what you're really saying is that we're, we're playing this game. It's a legal term, right? So when she, what she just admitted is, well, we don't know for sure that it's safe, right? Cause we don't have the studies. We could be, but we don't see the correlation. Okay. So at the very least, the plot, the point is it could be very dangerous, but they're literally arguing that the risk of whatever they're giving people this for is more dangerous than the hypothetical, the, the possibility of that being a problem. So who does that benefit? It benefits the company that gets to keep making these until you guys decide to prove it or decide to look at it. That's what's happening today. Well, we don't know for sure. We're baffled by all these problems, but we're just going to keep giving the shots that cause all these things, or we think they do, until we can figure that out. Who in the world thinks that's safe? You keep giving the thing you don't know is safe until you figure out for sure that it's dangerous. That's the complete inverse of what these people are supposed to do. The FDA is supposed to do the exact opposite. We don't even let it get given until we can prove that it's safe. And even then things end up happening. Like Fauci said in the beginning, as he used to say, the point is that we wait because years later, these things could show up and then we look at what we did. Exactly. Apparently, he just forgot that logic or something else bought off his thought process you're saying is you cannot tell me that you cannot say categorically can you don't know one way or the other but so why exactly. are you keeping something in there if you don't know one way or the other when you know that there's an epidemic of autism if there's an epidemic of something why do you keep it in there when you're not sure because every study i've seen flatly says you're not sure you say there's you, you can't say yay or nay i think you have to consider the benefit that vaccines confer and there's a definite benefit That's from influenza vaccine they're just saying a broad nationwide overall so you know you look at it and you go well we see a five percent increase in x y and z so there's a general benefit we feel it's beneficial for everybody oh collectivism on top of everything else right it's not about your personal choice that's never been how it looks they look at this but you, my genuine opinion that's just dishonesty damn well know that that doesn't make sense and you're trying to hide because at this point she's with the fda right you're the one in the hot seat so you have every reason to try to hide from the accountability that you know that doesn't make sense. And having an adequate supply of vaccine is very important. Okay, well, let me follow up on that then. Single-shot vials, does that need thimerosal? No, they don't, but there well, are then a lot why of... Well, then why don't we have single-shot vials? There are a lot of manufacturing issues associated with switching over. You need much more filling capacity for the lines. So it would be more difficult. You see the point? Oh, it would be, oh we would have to spend a little more money, Judge, or, or, or Congressman. That doesn't, that's just too hard. Okay, so you're willing to allow a gigantic gaping possibility of a huge risk, you know, because it's going to cost them more. Look at that. See, they're, they're much better at hiding those things today. That's the quiet part out loud right there. Uh, you need a lot more other kinds of things that need to be introduced. So although it can be done, and both Evans and Aventus Pasteur have started to introduce that, mm -hmm. it is not something that at present they have the capacity to do well, in let entirety. Me, let me ask you this. Do these pharmaceutical companies that produce these vaccines have 
had in the past the ability to produce and have they produced single-shot vials? Yes, they do, because that's how Evans and Aventus Pasteur is doing it right well, now. How about, all, how about all of the pharmaceutical companies? Do all the pharmaceutical companies pretty much have the ability to produce single-shot vials? You know, I couldn't speak to that categorically. I don't know, but I do know certainly in the case of Aventus Pasteur and Evans that they do okay. have that ability because they are, are doing okay. that. Then, then why hasn't the FDA, to be on the safe side, knowing that we're having one in over 250 and in some cases one in 150 children becoming autistic, yeah, you know, their job and all, <laughs> you know, safety. And there's a growing body of evidence that thimerosal and mercury is causing that. Why wouldn't you go down the cautious road instead of coming up with these additional studies that say, well, we're not sure, we can't say yay or nay. Why not go to single-shot vials? Because we believe that the multi-dose vials continue to be safe and effective and that they wow. speak to having... A That's called circular logic. Right. So now also we just so your answer to why you don't do the thing that might make it better is because we believe it's safe and why you believe it's safe and effective. Well, because we know it's important. Why is it important? Well, because and it goes around and around and around. That's crazy. Oh, it's somebody who is. I find it impossible to believe that that person does not realize what they just did. Let's put it that way. Enough supply of influenza vaccine, which serves a very important. Well, public let me just end up effort. by saying this. You know, I, I, I'm a student. I studied for the, at the Cincinnati Bible Seminary. And, 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 and I don't like to quote scripture very often, but there's none so blind as those that will not see. You just sit there and you keep saying over and right. over and over again that you think that there's not a, a real danger for having this uh, mercury in these vaccines. There's been 1,500 plus articles written saying that there is a problem. We've got scientists from all over the world coming in here. You saw a demonstration from a Canadian tape showing the impact of a minute amount of mercury in, 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 in brain cells. And yet you kill, continue to say, well, we don't think that a very small amount of mercury, in, but you don't know because there's no study that you put out that I've seen, not one, that says categorically that mercury in vaccines does not cause neurological problems. You can't tell me that today. You've hedged all over that issue, and you guys just continue to keep coming up here and making excuses, and I don't understand why. Why not just get it out of there? Good question. I think we know. But ultimately, the important thing to ask, right, did, 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 so we now know that's dangerous, right? They've been forced to admit that. It's been pulled. You know, other than the ones we still offshoot over to other countries, like in Africa, because we pretend that doesn't make, it doesn't matter. And we all seem to know that. And nobody cares. But the idea is that, you know, did Karen get in trouble? The one speaking for the FDA, did she ever get account held accountable for the lies or the fact that even if she wasn't lying, which I believe she was, the fact that they were doing something that was putting people at risk because they were malfeasance is the term, you know, the government refusing to do their due diligence. No, nothing. Nobody got held accountable, not the company selling it, nothing. Just like with everything else, even things like with the opioid crisis, what the Sackler family gets a slap on the wrist. Yeah, to, to everybody else. Oh, my God, billions of dollars. But guess what? It made no difference. The same time, the year that happened, they upped their sales. They increased their output. That's how that works, because they're on the inside. These people, we are being put, the same people that allowed something like that to happen are the same people that are allowing this to happen. Now, here's where I make this point about safe and effective. In a general sense, for the average person to read, if safe means free from harm, which is what it means, general definition, free from harm or risk, and effective means having an intended or expected effect, which is what it means, and none of the COVID jabs are free from harm. We all know that. 
even if you want to, even their narrative as well, it can cause myocarditis. Okay, I'm not trying to split hairs. That's just, that is not free from harm. Fair enough, right? Or it has never delivered the intended effect. That's, they all swore up and down. It'll stop transmission. It will 100% effective. Well, no, you won't get COVID. You won't go to the hospital, all that. Now, you can even argue that they're still beneficial if you believe that. My point is that neither of these things add up. It's not safe by definition. It's not effective by definition. So how in the world can they continue to say it? Simple as that. Safe and effective, according to the CDC. Because it's a legal, it's a term, it's a mantra that's not even rooted in reality. It's about legality, about liability. Well, on that exact point, you know what they also said was safe and effective? The bivalent shot, or anyone before it, that we know was completely a failure. Bivalent booster protection against hospitalization drops to near zero, according to the CDC. Protection against hospitalization from bivalent shots quickly dropped over time. And this is not new. It's just like all the rest of them. In fact, I'll grab that before I forget. Tweet from Ezra Levant. Where it shows from before. And here's the study right there. That after three months, and this, this is during Omicron, right? So this is Delta-Omicron overlap. Drops to negative. Pfizer customers are 76.5% more likely to get infected. Right? That's what that shows you. This the vaccine efficacy is negative 76% after three months. After one day, or somewhere between one day and, and one month, it drops to 55. And we're talking relative risk reduction, as he was saying in the beginning. Not absolute. It's, it's in fact, quite meaningless when we talk about the, the true. Let me see if I have that, actually. Oops. Dang it. Let's see. Let's see. Nope, it's not popping up. I used to have it saved in my computer, but I think I lost it with the old computer. Anyway. Maybe see, maybe at the bottom. Hold on. Yep, there it is right there. This is important, actually. So just in case you guys didn't haven't seen this before, what Dr. Cole was talking about absolute risk reduction versus relative risk reduction. This was one of the earliest scams they played, and that's still happening, by the way. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, 8 out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit, or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead. Which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? And the other question is, why did the FDA allow that, right? Seeing as how their own documentation discussed why that shouldn't be used and then went on to allow it. 
Right. Very clear. This is a either captured agency or this is about the medical countermeasures, DOD military side of it. And the FDA really has no say. The bottom line is that that is very uh, that's a manipulation. Even Fauci's commented before all this, that that's something that shouldn't. Yet here we are being used. Same thing. And again, the point is all the way to right now still being used. This was a paradigm shift. Right. Shifted into this new concept of, well, it's not about transmission anymore. It's about reducing symptoms. Right. It's about safe and effective benefits outweigh the risks. It's about all the this this whole this is the, the new age. Right. Same thing with the we're going to just we're just going to use relative risk reduction from now on. You know, it's like that's kind of just everything just shifted. And the point is. The protection from the bivalent, which was the last one they pushed on everybody, was exactly the same. So what you should be getting from this, first of all, they lied about that, but also that just because they added a new protein, this is going to be the same. It's exactly the same thing, other than one difference that I'm going to point out when we get there that is very concerning to me. Oh, and I forgot to mention in the beginning, we'll get to it. Guess what? It's also mod, mod RNA. And they're even trying real hard to stress that it's not, and I'll prove to you that it is N1-methylpseudouridine modified RNA right out of their own documentation. We'll get there. It says for adults aged 18 to 64 with healthy immune systems, the protection from the old monovalent shots were just 15%. So let's just take a step back in time and realize that that was the beginning, right? They're all, oh, safe and effective, 100%, 15%, according to the CDC's own information, 15%. And even then, even if you believe that number, which I probably, that's probably in and of itself bloated, it, the real point is how dangerous these things are. So even if you have some, some overlap where it reduces some, some factor, the, all of the risks and the destruction of your immune system and the autoimmune and immune suppression and all the things that are showing, the blood clots and the heart attacks and the Bell's palsy and the, the, a, the uh, a, um, ASL uh, prions disease, or all of these things, peer-reviewed science has shown all this stuff. It shows you an outrageously dangerous direction. So the, the risks gigantically outweigh whatever minor benefit, whatever 15% they tell you. Now it says the bivalent shot increased that protection, at least, again, what we're told based on these studies, or at least that flash of the pan, first 30 seconds they give this thing to you and say, it works. Or even the point about just because you're seeing a high production of specific antibodies that they then argue means 61% protection, which we keep seeing, it doesn't mean it translates to protection. Just like we're gonna, they're saying right now, take this shot. It'll give you antibodies to XBB15. Oh, but it probably works for the other thing too. Probably. My point is that 61% number comes from the estimation about what they think the production will do in regard to how it's effective. Like even the, my point in saying that is because the bivalent wasn't tested the way the other ones were. The, at least them, those ones, they can point at their rapid, fast, rush, small studies they did and say, look, they had, a, they, they, we gave them the thing and it showed a benefit. That's what they claim. In this case, the bivalent was just gleaning the data from before. Eight mice, remember? And saying about 61%. Because you know why? It had a large antibody resp- response. And we know based on the original shot that that means this. Again, that's not science. You're just, you're, I don't even know what the term would be for that. They're just kind of moving over data from before, pretending like it makes sense. And we've already proven it doesn't. So it starts at 61%, they claim, and then fell to 15% between 60 and 119 days. And to negative 1% after 120 days. <laughs> I mean, so after four months, it just, your negative efficacy, even with the bivalent. And then going forward, I can almost promise you it continues to, based on the previous data, it will continue to go down. So again, a lot of people made this point about how this is sort of a addiction almost, right? Unless you, and even though these new shots are increasing your problem every time, it's staving off the immediate collapse every time. 
it jumps back up a little bit. And then, you know, the point is this is going to culminate and we could be talking about the IgG4 immune issue or a lot of other things, but every one of them show the same concept that it kind of continues and then just collapses. And we're seeing it all over the place. We're baffled by all the issues that we can prove aren't COVID related. And we don't even know what's happening. It's what we're hearing all over the world in highly vaccinated places. Interestingly, low vaccination places are not having the same problem. I know I'm baffled. I'm just as baffled as you. The numbers were from September 2022 through August 2023. Very recent. They were presented to the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. The link's right there. Look at it for yourself. For adults with one or more conditions that have compromised their immune systems, one of those conditions I would argue is taking these dangerous shots, the protection from a bivalent shot against hospitalization started at 31%. So the very people that they're telling you are the most needing of these are the ones that had the worst outcome. That seems deliberate as far as I can tell. It increased to 40% between 60 and 119 days, and it dropped to 12 after 120. These are safe and effective benefits outweigh the risk, they're telling you. That's what they said. That's what they called them. The Vision Network comprises sites of 11 states with clinical laboratory and vaccination records. That's what they're getting this information from. The sites include the uh, Reagan Strife Institute in India and the University of Colorado in Denver. Data from other CDC-run networks, the the investigating respiratory viruses in the acutely uh, ill IV, I guess, also showed protection from the bivalent shots against hospitalization quickly waned. So it's being backed up by other research as well. And why weren't we told this? The other ones before, they were telling you, yeah, it wanes very quickly. And that's become kind of a common concept. But no, as far as I can tell, outside of this article, I haven't seen somebody come out and say the bivalent shot is collapsing very quickly. Seems like they were quick to rush that into the next one without even people noticing. For immunocomp- the immunocomp- immunocompetent adults, immunocompetent, is that right? Having a normal, yeah, I mean, oh, so I guess they're saying people... 65 or older that don't have immune issues, the protection from monovalent doses was registered at just 1%. So again, the age group, they're stressing, stressing more than anybody. The elderly, in this case, not immunocompromised, but just elderly people, get them, get them the shots first, 1%. That was the original shot, the very first one, the monovalent original shot, 1%. And along with all of the serious problems, not even remotely benefits outweigh the risk. And that's why we had all of the elderly completely taken out. That was, that was the hugest number. All the nursing homes. Remember, even in the beginning, if you pulled out just the nursing home death, that was, a, that was more than the majority, I believe, of the numbers that were taking place in most of these locations, in particular like New York. So suddenly there wasn't a problem when you just remove all the things they did to people in nursing homes. And then it says a bivalent booster upped the protection to 53, again, so we're told based on antibodies, but the protection then plummeted to just 10% beyond 90 days. It's the same everywhere you look, from shot to shot to shot. Again, most likely because it's the platform in particular that is the problem on top of everything else. So it's just going to keep happening again. And again, they know this, guys. There's no reason to assume that the same thing wouldn't happen again. It's probably because that's the plan. Quote, the vast majority of persons of all ages have had COVID infection, but having an updated COVID vaccine provides additional protection. They love this argument. It's not true. In fact, there's been an overwhelming amount of evidence that shows that doing that increases your risk. And this is what we showed you before. Fauci and the rest of them, right? If the wrong antibody response, it's not, it's, it's actually potentially going to hurt you. Here's another example. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. 
we know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Yep. In many different examples. There's a lot of examples. And the, Fauci's been the ever. I mean, the point is, it's, it's very, it's the reality they've all admitted to. So it's very odd that none of them want to discuss the possibility that if you give them a shot that creates antibodies that aren't necessary, that maybe you could cause this problem they've all admitted is a thing that we've seen a lot throughout the past. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I guarantee you Fauci knows about this. It's weird how they just want to it, pretend it's not there. Again, if you didn't see the beginning, the clip is Fauci talking to Zuckerberg, telling him that this has happened before. And it takes years to find out the problem. Why don't they ask whether this is possible? probably because they're worried about going to jail. Well, here's two clips I've played a lot in the past that talk about exactly what's happening in regard to one. Well, first of all, the clips I just showed you that we're talking about the idea that wrong antibodies will end up causing a problem or can, but also the fact that the one they're giving you not only can cause that problem, but in fact removes the antibodies that you have had from natural immunity if taken. Here was the corporate news clip that came out right when the Red Cross reported that and then was censored and removed. And I've gone over that extensively and I'll give you the article that we covered that in. Proved. Talked to them on the phone, showed their, their, their way back machine versions of their articles. They all, it's admitted. They, they told you this and then tried to cover that up. On your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Right. So, of course, they say fake news and they all attack it and fact checks. And if you read the fact checks, they basically just say it's not true. But the Red Cross even said that. But we've proven it over and over and over. I mean, this is one of the many articles, the shows rather, that you can watch. All the sources, links are down there. And we, we have them on the phone and we ask them point blank and they admit or, or any number of things. They just basically say that the shot is it's it is a negative effect on what they're trying to accomplish. Why wouldn't that be public information? And, and on top of that, don't forget, we've seen two examples of children, babies, infants being forced to take blood bank blood, even though they've got unvaccinated donors that are completely in a legal sense able to donate. They just refuse that. Because I guess they're angry people. And then force them, in one case, actually not allowing them to take the child, to take the blood infusion, and then the child dies. Even though we know as a matter of fact now that it that very clearly does circulate your bloodstream. I'll bring this one up again. I have literally continued to post this underneath the Red Cross's page saying that yet another peer-reviewed study finds that you are wrong. And here they are still saying that we don't label the difference between unvaccinated and vaccinated because it doesn't enter the bloodstream. We know that's not true. Here's one of many peer-reviewed studies literally saying it circulates your blood for 28 days, at least, up to, or I guess up to, but we've seen so much further than that, right? So all this together, it is circulating your blood, and, it, and these shots do, in fact, remove the antibodies that you might have made if you had natural immunity based on their own admission, and all they've done is cover this up. So here's one more example. This is Dr. David Bauer, the Francis Crick Institute. Now, he also was seemingly driven into making some kind of fact check article after this where he tries to pretend what he said here wasn't real. But you can listen for yourself. 
It's very, it's obvious what he's saying. And he tries to, they try to make some backward argument. I used his fact check to prove that he was actually accurate in what he said here a while back. I forget which episode it was. Oh, you know what? I forgot to download this. I want to play it right out so you guys can hear it. It's important. The message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security uh, antibodies of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. So we found that that's less for people with two doses. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's so very obvious what we're discussing right there. There is no difference. And again, if you really want to go further on, well, we could, it's, it's, I cover it at length more than once. So we know this, and yet it's still being covered. It's still being hidden. We also have the, the Pfizer uh, scientist, that, that uh, Nick Carl, who was caught by Project, or rather by... Uh, uh, okay, um, James O'Keefe. <laughs> Forgot. I just, you know, I'm not a promoter of, of what happened with the, the company there. I just, I, this was James O'Keefe doing the work, right? My point is, you can watch the whole thing. It's a longer clip. But so your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination, which we all know. And I'll show you that in a second. So we, everything you need is in front of you to realize that they're trying to hide the reality from you, right? That this is continually a problem. Now, we've also just this goes back to October 2021. Here's an article or a, a show I did titled Very Rapid Antibody Decline After Pfizer Jabs 2021. Magic. It's like we must have just been psychic, right? No, we were looking at the data all the way back then. And community revealed to have changes from the original. We know this. They tried to pretend like it was no big deal and the proline substitutions and the codon optimization and all these different things we talked about. And they make a difference in any normal sense. They would have been reevaluated, but not this, just like they're not doing it again now. We also talked about that point exactly about the antibody dependent enhancement, right? That's what we're talking about in regard to getting the wrong antibodies. You get the wrong shot. Then you bump up against the whatever's happening in the wild. And it's even worse than before. I, I made fun of Z dog MD or whatever his name was here guy, because he's fact checking this with this dumb little face picture. And he's going really antibody dependent enhancement. And I showed you at the time. That as he was saying that, there was a peer-reviewed study that came out in 2020 where it literally said the specific and significant COVID-19 risk of antibody-dependent enhancement should have been and should be prominently and independently disclosed. And it's just people in trials and everybody, people taking the new shot. And what they discuss in there is the fact that you can get the injection. And then when you bump up against COVID-19, you get even worse of a response. Informed consent disclosure to vaccine trial subjects and the risk of covid so I guess he just missed that, right? The point was how fact checkers are ignoring that risk. So the point is it's always been there. They knew this. Just like with the mask issue, that they knew cloth masks would increase your risk of illness and used them anyway. So I find it really hard to see that choice. Pretty incredible. Now, here is what NPR is saying. This came out uh, this, on the 5th. Lab data suggests that's the best they got. We think it should have an effect. Suggests the new booster, which hadn't even come out yet, will protect against worrisome variants. Now, do you think NPR had the lab data? I highly doubt that. It's possible that they got it from somebody before it came out. But more likely, they were told this by the CDC, and they just reported it like a good journalist should, right? 
just blindly regurgitate what the authority says. That's what journalism is, right? It's a lot of people are being taught today. But it says down here, while that subvariant XBB15 has already been replaced by others, it's close enough. It's a close enough match for the new shots to protect people, scientists say. Oh, which ones? <laughs> I'll show you the ones not saying that they don't want to point out, but you just got to love how stupid that is. Now, look, let's just say this thing gets offered and nobody's forced, not even coerced. Meh. As far as I, the problem is people are still being lied to, but I'm more concerned about the fact that this can be the reality and yet they still force it on people, but it's already beginning to happen. I'm already seeing mandates come into play for colleges and for schools. So we're already past that point. So the fact that they're actually allowing that to happen, even from a legal standpoint, and they're going, well, it's close enough. What do you mean close enough? This is not science, guys. That's unbelievable to me. That should scare people. And then Mr. Hotez, of course, I wish the booster was already out. <laughs> God, maybe he should go brush his teeth again. I think he's confused. But the point is that clearly the booster is not something that's going to make a difference in regard to the issues that we've already seen happen, especially if even Mr. Hotez is going, oh, no, we're already way past that point. If you were an honest person, you would say we should do something different based on the science. Now, here's Dr. Peter McCullough calling this out. This is on the 11th, yesterday. <clears throat> XBB15 is nearly gone. <clears throat> Excuse me, 3.1% of strains. 3.1%. Chasing extinct variants. That's what they're doing. Products are not safer, and, or as my point is, that's what he's claiming, and that's what the argument would be if this is not, you know, even within the realm of the, nar the narrative is my point. Like, I do think it's important to point that out, because I'm not... I'm, I genuinely wonder whether these things are even there. I mean, even people like Dr. Uh, Yeadon early on called them scarians or sanians, that these are just, that they're basically lying about the differences or that they're even dangerous. So we should genuinely consider that. But he's saying that the products are not safe and completely out of date when they hit the market. New heiress syndrome, very mild. Hospitalization data, not valid unless adjusted for COVID-19 pneumonia, which again, I, I necessarily, I would have a different opinion on what that even might be. But overall, they're still doing it. And here's the craziest part. This is, you could check this. I mean, he's got the data right there, which by the way, you could look at the general one that I point out, the map I usually show, says the same thing, right? So it's really easy to see. Even You can see that EG right there is the predominant. It has been for a minute now, long before. So there was even time I argued they could have re stopped and tried to do something different, but they didn't because I don't even think this is even, it really matters to them. But here's what Pfizer is saying. As of the 11th, the same day, you know, one of the most highly respected doctors in the planet, leading cardiologist in the planet, Dr. McCullough, is telling you and showing you with, with, the, with the actual data that it's barely, it's almost gone. Well, here's what Pfizer says the same day. With, it, with, with today's decision, an updated vaccine will shortly become available that helps address multiple Omicron XBB-related sublineages. That's not even true. They're assuming that because it's connected. But it says, which currently account for the vast majority of COVID cases globally. Now, here's the game they're playing. XBB15, which is what this is aimed at, is not even, according to their data, is almost gone. But when they broaden this out to go, well, anything even tangentially connected to XBB, which they argue is damn near everything, because seemingly Omicron forward has been everything. So that's all they're really doing. They're going, well, they're related. Well, we've already seen how that hasn't worked with, um, with Delta before that, or what, the same overlaps, or even the most basic small change from BA1 to BA25. And 1% we just showed you, right? So this, they're, they're just going, well, it, it has an effect. It's most of the cases globally, but it's not. It is aimed at one thing, 
and I'm, 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 I'm going to bet you everything that it's exactly like before because that's what the science shows. Dr. Marty Makari points out there was plenty of time for Pfizer and Moderna to run a randomized trial to prove their new boosters work. Think about that for a second. They actually had a long time between these periods. And look, I'm not saying the way it used to be, but even based on what their current time frame is, you know, so many months, they had a long time to try to do something. They didn't. Moderna's trial, only 50 people, by the way, began four months ago and only reported 14-day side effects. Why didn't they enroll more people? Report three-month effectiveness. I mean, this, this, is, this is not even valid. On top of the fact that what we're talking about here, guys, is something that is arguably not the focus, not the point. We have not truly, like one of the things people talk about is whether or not they, they haven't done, whether they, why somebody hasn't done a study to find out what happens to people when they take a, a hot, like a shot with no protein, right? So just the lipid nanoparticle containing, well, I guess it would be just a lipid nanoparticle. I still argue that the mRNA, whether or not it produces something is, is dangerous based on their own data, but just giving them a shot that has a lipid nanoparticle with no, nothing to deliver and we should find what if it does what if that's i mean look we already know it's part of the problem we've seen plenty of data to back it up so when they just skip past that pretending like we, this means everything it's it's a, it's a deceptive it's a lie now here's the funniest part about this or the scariest part as they've already jumped into this next one and acted like we already know for sure pfizer is still running a trial right now or I, at least on the record I, I guarantee they've dropped it on an old on the old bivalent and apparently we won't, we won't get the results until 2024. It's right here. Pfizer, the bivalent, ends. Oh, it's down here. March 26, 2024. So ask yourself how it's possible they could do a study to know that one is effective and safe in, what, months? Well, this one's supposed to go until 2024. It's just everything is so broken. I mean, everything is so... To pretend just COVID changed everything is such a naive argument. In fact, if it's just a small flu, then it really didn't. And we know that. Now, this is one... You know, I might just skip this, but this is the one... We already read this from before. This is the, the link that Marty shared. The, and this is one he wrote from uh, August 30th. Biden waves through another COVID booster. And he just simply makes the point that Biden steps up and goes, it'll likely, it, it, it'll, it's, it, it works and it's good and we'll probably recommend it for everybody. And he just goes, is this our new drug approval process? There are no human outcome data on their new shot, which the FDA is expected to approve in the next two weeks. Last fall, the administration approved and recommended a novel COVID booster with, with no human data. Only 20.5% even took it. Some were compelled to even do so. That's the point they always make. That shows you that not even their people were following along. That's the majority on your side. The recommendation was based on mouse data and failed to recognize everything. But he points out a hundred thousand fold risk between healthy young people and an elderly person with comorbidities. But give them the same thing. Doesn't matter. The government paid $4.9 billion of your money for 1,771 million doses, the majority of which went to the garbage can or probably got shit sent over to Africa, as I mentioned before. Literally happens. We'll just alter the date. Yeah, they can last another six months. Why not? Advocates for the new COVID boosters point out that the annual flu shot gets approved without a randomized trial. That's why I didn't want to read it for a reason. That is important to understand, guys. If we care about all the rest of this, we need to broaden out our view to all of them. If they're not testing the, the flu shot every year, why not? Every time they do something like this, it could, it could create some new problem based on some new issue, and they don't test it. 
What is that if not a platform? It's the same thing. COVID vaccines have higher... And also, let's not forget that we're now in the realm of the mRNA flu shot, which I argue is already happening. COVID vaccines have higher complication rates, rate of serious adverse events as high as one in 556 doses. According to this study we've already shown you, which again shows you that Pfizer's trial, the reevaluation, secondary analysis of their phase three data of both Pfizer and Moderna. I, I just can't stress this enough, guys. This is a huge peer-reviewed study where Peter Doshi, who's the, the senior editor of the British Medical Journal, as well as a lot of other highly respected doctors, reevaluated what Pfizer said was their 100% effective data. And they found the exact opposite. Pfizer trial showed actually a 36% increased risk of serious adverse event in the vaccine group compared to placebo. Serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, permanent disability. That's what those are. 36% increased risk, and yet they're telling you it's safe and effective? How is this not over? And the point he's making there is one in 556 doses? That's catastrophic. What he's saying is not a shoulder ache. Or even a serious, he's talking about death, hospitalization, and disability. One in 556, according to peer-reviewed science, and yet safe and effective. It's broken. This is dangerous. Now, Aaron Siri points out something that I think is important. First of all, just saying the same thing is ridiculous. Based on manufacturing data, no clinical trial. This is, that's what we're trying to tell you guys. This is about Pfizer's data. Here you go. Trust us, even though we've lied over and over and over. And throughout our entire career, again, I argue lied just the right ways, sort of like a Neil Ferguson concept. They seem to benefit from it. The point, he says, good news is that we won't need to wait 75 years to get the clinical trial data. You know why? Because there is none. It's a very dark, macabre joke, but it's funny, but it's, but it's alarming. Because remember, 70, they tried to hide 75 years, the original data. You know why? That's why. Because they lied and because it's exponentially more dangerous than not even taking it. So they said, give us 75 years. This is how obvious all of this is. Now, the FDA, again, approved it. You know why? At least as this uh, corporate, uh, this is ABC reporting. Well, because cases are on the rise, of course. Didn't you know? Cases are shooting through the roof. Except they're not, though. Thank you, Chief Nerd, for making this so clear. Surge in COVID cases. That's where we are. This is easily verifiable. Take note, guys. That is lower right now than pretty much almost any time throughout the entirety of this illusion. Again, even that, whether we even know with flu or pneumonia overlap, whatever. The bottom line is even based on what they're telling you, the numbers they're telling you right now we should be worried about is less than, I mean, long before they were even talking about this. Guys, that's unbelievable. And that is your risk right there. To rush out the, hurry, hurry, get out the new thing because it's coming. That's what they're telling you. That's what they're looking at. That's what, and I'll wait to get to it, but that's even the UK and Canada. They're using this issue, this rise of things to say we have to hurry and push this out right now because it's that dangerous. And the flu shot, why not? That's, what, that's what's happening in the UK. But they also say, here's, C, here's NBC, the FDA approves the COVID vaccines. Why? Well, because hospitalizations are on the rise. Oh, okay. Well, how is that even possible? If this is your rise in cases, a minor, minor blip, how can we possibly have a rise in hospitalizations, especially when you're telling us that it's less dangerous, which is what they're saying. It's, it's more transmissible. That's the same thing we hear every time, but less dangerous. 
But yet somehow with a minor rise in cases, we have a rise in hospitalizations too. You know why? Because all it is is a PCR illusion. When you test people in hospital beds, you magically get a lot of hospitalizations because look, it tested positive. I've proven this over and over and over. And so have a lot of people. So bringing this back to the document from Pfizer. First of all, an updated COVID-19 vaccine, it says, will help give you the best protection available. Did, did you pick up on what's missing there? Now, it doesn't say the best protection of vaccinations. It says the updated vaccine will give you the best protection available. That is not only false, as we all know, it's contradictory to every peer-reviewed study on the idea of natural immunity. Every single leading peer-reviewed study has clearly found, and I'll do it again for the 100,000th time, durable, lasting, and robust, even against variants of concern, natural immunity. It's amazing how they've run from this the entire time. And they just don't care now. They're just pulling it out. It's the best thing ever. Better than anything else, no matter what. Why not? I mean, they, they know we see them lying, so why not, guys? It's crazy to me. So before we go into the actual documentation, just thought it was important to reiterate this. So this is from... 2022, April, peer-reviewed study. You know, all the trust the science crowd, Just I guess they just miss all these. Where it says, naturally acquired immunity confers stronger protection against infection and symptomatic disease caused by the Delta variant. Right, so here's the game where they go, Omicron changed everything. No, no, we keep proving this to you. Even Walensky, which they think we don't remember this stuff, came out during Delta and says, oh, well, the vaccinator, you know, basically saying that it was not working, not stopping transmission. But so Omicron was only their excuse. And I argue there's something very suspicious, I'll get to at the end again, about whatever that was. Something changed right there. And I don't think that was by accident. Now this is important. There's just one of many. And it says of the, of that compared to uh, the, compared to you getting two doses of the Pfizer shot. So point blank, stronger immunity. But this isn't shocking to any of you because I've shown you this a thousand times. But this is just this game they play where people, all of the science can show very clearly that natural immunity is stronger and better and lasting. And they just go, that's not true. And some people believe them because you're supposed to listen to authority. That's the best they have right now. So here, John Campbell was also just talking about this. Natural immunity wins. And that's, somebody sent me this study with him talking about it. And then just quickly, just so you can see it yet again, here is nature.com back in 2021. Had COVID, you'll probably make antibodies for a lifetime. Now, we can go through this in depth, but I'll, because I've done it so many times, I'm going to leave it alone. Just talking about you can have uh, antibodies in, for decades in your bone marrow. It gets into T cell and uh, memory B and all of it. And variants of concern, which it gets into in this important study from 2021, ultra-potent antibodies against diverse and highly transmissible variants, very clearly pointing out that if you had infect, infected with the original ancestral strain, you produce antibodies that cross-neutralize variants of concern with high potency. And this is getting into the Omicron stage. By the way, I also think it's hilarious that we act like Omicron is this new thing, even though it's it's... <laughs> of slight variation from the original BA1, B117 and be like whatever they're saying these are. Yet now we're on XBB15 and they're like, it's a small difference from Omicron. No, it's just a game they play with all this stuff. It's so sad, but that's peer reviewed. And it continues to show that with people that have natural immunity, they've never touched these injections that don't get sick. And the people that got the injections are exploding over and over and over with all sorts of illnesses we're baffled about as well as COVID-19. 2020. These are the two I think are important. This 2020, one's from 2020, one is from 2021, where they found that their controls 
Matt randomly had antibodies before COVID ever came around, right? So these are people that are not infected, have not gotten in the shot. And suddenly, and they were control groups to test the, against the people that did. And then they tested them and, oh, look at that. They've got antibodies to COVID-19. How is that possible? They theorized it was about SARS or the common cold or something like that. Or it could be that whatever this is was around before this. And then that actually overlaps with the Omicron point that I'll get to later about the newer study saying that they evidence Omicron was around before COVID ever started. So you could factor out whatever you, I'm not saying I buy that or believe that exact narrative, but that's being stated. I think that's interesting. But okay, so how do we explain this? Or, or why do they force shots on people if seemingly a majority, a majority, a majority of uninfected adults in the beginning of all this already had pre-existing antibody reactivity? Because it's not about the truth. Because they were hiding from what was going on. And quite frankly, I think this was an obvious experiment to justify whatever happens next. And they failed. Or maybe they didn't. I don't know. You can decide for yourself. 2021. Same thing. Pre-existing cross-reactivity occurs in the absence of, I forget exactly where the point was in there, but the point in general, read it all. I've gone through each of these in depth in the past shows. How could a majority of adults before all of this have antibodies? And even the NIH in 2021, imagine that. Fauci must just miss that. Lasting immunity found after recovery from COVID-19. The immune systems of more than 95% of people that have recovered have memory up to eight months after. And that was only because the study ended at eight months. The point is, we've already shown, again, when you go back to other science that came up afterward, that it goes lasting and durable and robust and continues as far as they can tell. Two even variants of concern. And then even the WHO, because aren't we supposed to trust them? They tell you four weeks following infection, that's where the study ends, up to 99% of people had detectable neutralizing antibodies as well as everything else. And this is even the point where they shifted this. Remember that? Where they originally, that page was called immunity passports. Obviously, coming out a little early with the idea that it was all about the immunity passport. Then, oops, we went back to natural immunity. That's what it says now. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. And then, just on this one point to laugh together about how dumb this all was, let's not forget this person, Kara Butler, who should be embarrassed about this for the rest of her life because she wrote an article in May 12, 2020, that quite literally says anti vaxxers have a dangerous theory called natural immunity and it's going mainstream. Here's the joke they make. Your body's an amazing being, and it knows how to take care of itself. Oh, these dumb conspiracy theorists. You can read it for yourself. It's pretty damn embarrassing. I think I had something highlighted, but it doesn't matter. The point is they're genuinely pushing that people saying that any natural immunity is better than vaccine ever are just crazy. Just reimagining the, everything. We're, this is the great reset of all the whole world. This is the reimagining our entire understanding of medicine. It's just unbelievable. Now, back to the main page. Now that we've clearly established they're lying about damn near everything, here is the COVID-19 vaccines for just this season, right? It's going to keep coming over and over and over. What are the ingredients of the updated COVID vaccines? Well, they say vaccine ingredients are always listed in the fact sheet. Isn't that funny? So we don't even, they don't say, we don't say they're the same. You, you conspiracy theorists, nothing changed because <laughs> they, they did change. But it's weird how they just, it's kind of an ominous not statement. But they go, oh, there, there's your, your source material. Look for yourself. Okay, well, let's look. First, let's look at this one. <clears throat> this is Pfizer's sheet for recipients and caregivers. Weirdly enough, they don't have the other link, which there were always two of them. And I guess they secretly dole those out to the insiders now. But here's what the first one says. Oh, actually, first, before we even go to the, the shot, I was looking this up in general. What I was trying to find was all of these sheets like we used to go through before, right? The FDA sheet, the CDC sheet, the, or the CDC uh, info sheet, and the the uh, risk management sheet from the Europe, from EU. 
that talk about like the the, the emergency use author, emergency use authorization and the logic around it. I was trying to find all of these so it could be very thorough today, right? But all I could find was this one from the ema.europa.eu, the same one that stopped t- updating on June 2023, which says all the same stuff we've been saying from the very beginning, which it's dangerous. They haven't studied on pregnant people. They haven't studied on elderly people. They haven't studied on other vaccinations and how they overlap. And that went all the way up to the, it was the original and the B1 and the bivalent, all of them. Now, what's very strange, though, is when I searched for that and kind of just subbed out XBB15, I got the page, and this brings up this sheet. But look what it says right here. It talks about the XBB15. I don't even know how that's possible, seeing as how there is literally no mention of XBB anywhere on this page. I went through the whole thing, nothing. Not, not, it's very strange. But it says the vaccine known as Comirnaty Omicron XBB15. Oh, it's like, so I said, that's what I'll search for. <clears throat> just to give you my thought process and weird that it shows up under this link, even though that link doesn't seem to be there. Right. I don't know what that means, but I feel like it's relevant. So I went past this, but if you want to go in there, you should, because those shots I'm telling you are still being given and it shows you all the same issues, but it brought me to this and don't, we will, we'll come back to this and make a couple more points on this. But so far we are just looking at this first part of it. And this is from medicines.org.uk. Comirnaty Omicron, just so we can see that it's the same one, XB15. 10 microdo- micrograms dose dispersion for injection. Interestingly, the active ingredient. I hadn't seen that before. Raxtosinamarin. That's interesting. I be- as far as I can tell, this is a new thing, uh, just a name they've given this new modified RNA they're using. <clears throat> now, please, if you got more information, let me know, because I only found this today. Here's what it says. And now there's going to be a little bit of overlap on because some of these things say similar things between the FDA, the CDC, and so on. But I think it's important to, over, to see both the same and different things they say about all of it. Now, this is updated as of September 6th. So this was, our, this again, this is the information that they had before it was out to you on September 11th. So people like Mandy Cohen, for example, already knew what it says in here, or she should have, as the CDC, if they're telling you that you can take an extra the flu shot. I'm going to show you right now that she, that it says very clearly that you don't know. So either, again, that she doesn't know and she's regurgitating what somebody who's controlling her told her to say, or she's lying to you. Comirnaty Omicron XB15, 10 microdose, dispersion for injection, and again, nucleoside modified. And I'll show you exactly where it says this as we go forward. <clears throat> One second. Damn, something caught my throat. All right. One dose contains 10 micrograms of Rax, Raxto, uh, Raxtozam, uh, I said a second ago, Raxtozanamarin, a COVID-19 mRNA vaccine embedded in lipid nanoparticles. So it's very clear we're talking about the exact same. This is the new thing. This is the new thing they're giving that's in particular aimed at XBB15. Raxtosinamarin is a single-strand, five-capped messenger RNA. See right there, they still say mRNA. It's not. Produced using a, a cell-free in vitro transcription from the corresponding DNA templates encoding the viral spike protein of XBB15. So how is it possible you can argue that you don't need to test differently? That no safety testing, even though you're using something completely different? It's mind-blowing to me. 
Now, again, it says, uh, oh, that wasn't the spot right there. There's a part where it just shows you, yeah, right. That Mind-blowingly enough, they are still saying inject it into your muscle. I don't know how they even, like, the point is, obviously, if they pretend it stays in your shoulder, which they're still, I guess they're still trying to argue that, that they have to make that, they have to say, put it in the shoulder. But how, if we already know, and they've already admitted, Fauci has admitted, that you can't create mucosal immunity, which is needed to stop the transmission from a respiratory virus if it's, in, if it's intramuscularly administered. It has to be either a spray or something that has to do with your mucosal in your nose. I, who knows? Who cares? It doesn't even matter. Just keep t- trusting the science and listening to Fauci or whatever. Like it, it's, it's uh, people like Dr. Bakhti have told you from day one that will not cause what they will not have any effect in regard to a mucosal immunity, which is necessary to stop the spread of a respiratory virus. Same point can be made for the flu shot, by the way. Doesn't I don't understand it. Now, I'm this I wasn't going to get into any of this, I don't think. <clears throat> Down here. It says pregnancy. Okay, so here's my point. September 6th, which means the authorities had access to this information at least at September 6th, probably long before. No data are available regarding community Omicron XBB15 specifically during pregnancy. And we're doing it all over again. No studying, no testing. They're just going to pretend that because we've proven it's safe for pregnant women from the first one that we'll pretend this one is too. But we never proved that. Nobody proved that. In fact, we can prove they, it's the opposite. It's very dangerous. And on, t- on top of that, they never studied it the first time. So we're just manufacturing illusions here. The large amount of observational data, so all they're saying is because we can tell that everyone who took it is safe, even though they don't know that. And what they've done is hidden people that had gotten sick or got, lost their baby from the data because, well, we, can, we don't know what's connected. That's the best they have. So people get sick, they lose their child, and they say, well, you know, we can't prove it's connected. Well, if you say that for every single thing, that doesn't mean you know it's not. It just means that you refuse to acknowledge a connection. On top of that, we have proven this. Their own studies have ended up showing that these things are directly connected to reproductivity and on and on and on. Whether we're talking lipid nanoparticles, mRNA, the spike protein, every single one of these things has been studied and shown direct issues with these people. And gee, I wonder why they didn't study it. But that's all they're doing. They're simply saying that animal studies do not indicate direct harm. Oh, which ones? You mean the studies that you didn't do originally, but then rapidly did in the middle of all this, and you're still pretending three or four shots ago that that relates to this new thing? Yes. That I, I don't even know what I don't know why anybody anywhere would think this makes sense unless they're just blindly following along. Breastfeeding, same thing. No data. Don't know. But go ahead and take it when you when you have a child. No big deal. That's what they're saying. Animal studies do not indicate any issues. You mean the new one? No, they haven't done any more. They're just pointing at old information that also wasn't true. Then under the safety profile, the safety of community Omicron XBB15, right here, is inferred from safety data of the prior vaccine. You get that? So all they're doing, everything in here, they're saying, well, we know it's safe because the community was safe. You know, the one we never gave anybody. The one based on the one we know is super dangerous. That's what's happening. It's chilling, isn't it? Now, this is the Raxtosanamarin focus from the EU, and I really would love to know more about this, if anybody's got any more insight. It's just concerning to me. Now, oh, there was one more point in this, actually. I'm sure. Oh, so this is what we'll get to next in the fact sheet. So going from there, you'll see something 
interesting here in the WHO document. Oh, wait, no. The, oh, excuse me. This is still on this one. Or no. Oh, I see. Sorry, I'm confusing myself. There's all these blank tabs here. So this one is 227. The summary of product characteristics from ema.europa.eu. So it's based on the same overview of a lot of these different... This is, in a general sense, going over a bunch of these different shots. So just jumping to the one we're talking about, you can see here. Single dose dose or multi-dose vial with a gray cab, and it's simply talking about the Raxtosanamarin right there. And And again, this is where it gets important in regard to the modified discussion, I believe, or it's one of the next ones. Telling you a single-stranded five caps, so just so you can see it's the same thing. Corresponding DNA templates, including for the viral spike protein of XP15. Okay. So here, under 229, I did this so I can remember something in case I lose it. We have special warnings and precautions for use. <clears throat> so the same thing we're talking about. And this is specifically for the shot that includes this. It says. Events, events of hyper, uh, 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 anaphylaxis have been reported. That's always been there, right? So that's one thing they're mentioning. But here, directly, this list is everywhere. Myocarditis and pericarditis. An increased risk following vaccination with comirnaty. It's, very, it's just crazy to me that that can be so plainly stated. That is, a, that is like saying, no big deal. You can have a heart attack, but no big deal. That's a huge deal. Even as we pointed out a hundred times over. An NIH study, and I think it was two, early 2000s, found that myocarditis, non-fulament myocarditis, non-serious versions of it, can increase your risk of mortality between 25 and 56% within the next 10 years. Non-serious cases. So this lie about how it goes away quickly, is at the very least, or rather at the, the risk being that just a mild case, whether it goes away quickly or not, over the next 10 years could end up causing a rapid increase in mortality, which... Look at all this baffling death. Look at all these athletes having heart attacks. Exactly. That's what we're seeing. These conditions can develop within a few days after vaccination and primarily occur within 14 days, which is also why after 21 to 14 days, they kick everything down to unvaccinated. See how that works? They have been observed more often with the second shot. Uh, Let's see. They're basically just saying healthcare professionals should be on the lookout, even though they all seem to ignore this because they know they're going to lose their job. They pointed out, you know, it's how that works. But they they list anxiety related reactions, you know, sort of like saying that a lot of these things are because you're just scared about the shot, which I don't believe. Concurrent illness. Vaccination should not be postponed, should be postponed if you're suffering from other illnesses. Well, does that include illnesses caused by the vaccination? Because they don't seem to be talking about that. But here's where it gets interesting. Thrombocytopenia. That's listed directly on here as a side effect of this injection. As with other intramuscular injections, yeah, probably the ones that they're making, yes, but that shouldn't be the case. The vaccine should be given with caution individuals receiving anticoagulant therapy or those with thrombocytopenia or coagulation disorders, all of which are potentially being caused by the vaccinations themselves. That's interesting. Immunocompromised individuals. The efficacy and safety of the vaccine has not been assessed with immunocompromised individuals. So here we are again. Same thing. Quick, get it for the get it to the people who are immunocompromised. You haven't even tested to see if it's a, if it's dangerous for them. Historically, you never give it to people that are immunocompromised because those people are the ones that are, are usually not even able to take these injections. But weirdly, this whole thing's been inverse with COVID. Or get it to them first. It just doesn't. Like if I was a person that my entire life I've been told not to take them because they're extra dangerous for you, and then suddenly the government's like, get these things rapidly. Why would you listen to them? It just doesn't make sense. The efficacy of comirnaty 
maybe lower in immunocompromised people. So not only is it more dangerous for you, the efficacy may be lower. It's just, it's mind-blowingly stupid. Duration of protection. The duration of protection is unknown. Great. It's still being determined by ongoing clinical trials in your body. That's the, hear what they're saying. There are no ongoing clinical trials in the sense of, what well, I mean, right now, if they're already giving it to people, you are a part of that. Let's put it that way. Limitations of the vaccine effectiveness. Here's what's important. Oh, and this is what this. It's funny how they move this down to seven days now, but it says they may not be fully protected until seven days. <laughs> but see, the problem is they love to make that argument that, well, if, if you have a heart attack in seven, within seven days or 14, then we, it's not, it doesn't count because you haven't been protected yet. So are you arguing that like, the argument ultimately is that there any of these side effects are not directly related to anything but the injection? So if you're going to say that COVID-19 is what you're protected from, then when you get Bell's palsy, that's not because of what you because you weren't protected or you weren't. It's because the injection is causing that. And just because it happened within 14 days doesn't mean you can just kick it down to unvaccinated. But that's what they do. Pregnancy. Same point. So now we have it in both locations from the EU and the specific page here where it says no data are available regarding pregnancy. Mandy Cohen is a liar. So are the rest of them. If they're telling you you could take it and saying it's safe and effective, they don't know that. Breastfeeding, no data available. Fertility, animal studies do not indicate harm, but they're using studies from before that were rapidly done in the middle of all this from a different shot. This is interesting, by the way, effects on machines and driving. It kind of says, well, there's no negligible influence, but then they say, well, it may, it may affect your ability to drive or use machines. <laughs> really? Well, nobody's being told that. Airplane, airline pilots are flying. In fact, I'm being told that there's an entire cover-up happening where pilots are, being, are like, afraid to admit that they're passing out and all this stuff. It's, I mean, we, we called this in the beginning. We called it vaccinants. All these car crashes, and, and we showed you this. There was a dramatic increase in, in car crashes even during the lockdown. Why? Because people were taking injections and driving around and getting in car accidents. It's pretty simple. That'd be my opinion, but I can't prove it. But we can't prove that where there were obvious accidents that were people got in car accidents and that they were passed out. They had just left their injection. That, there's all sorts of those in the record. Undesirable effects. The safety of this shot is inferred from community. So great. So that means it's dangerous then. Then we're all done. Right? Pretty simple. That's not what they're saying, though. And then I think, what, oh, there was one, uh, did I miss the vaccine one? It's in, it's in multiple places on here, but it's odd now that I'm noticing that it's not in there. Maybe it was lumped in under medical products. Yeah, that's it right there. Interaction with other medical products. Isn't it funny how they love to change the terminology? I guarantee that's because they don't want you making the connection. Other medical products, guys, include flu vaccinations. And the point is, no interaction studies have been performed. They do not know whether they will conflict. So you add a brand new thing, a totally different substance, and you just assume that it won't be reactive with some other substance that we haven't tested in all the rest of them. Because that's called science, guys. I think they're, oh yeah, I forgot I have these over here. So let's go to 232. Looking at the participants right here, it says, after uh, the safety of the booster dose community and participants 12 years of older, oh, it's same thing, is inferred from safety data from, from the community. So you're, every part of this, guys, that, that's the recurring point, is they're just, glean, they're just inferring, just assuming 
the data makes sense. Because then even though there's a lot of reasons to argue that doesn't add up. Now, moving on to the WHO document that lists the same thing. This is the WHO Drug Information, Volume 7, November, uh, uh, November 2nd, 2023. Or no, that wouldn't be November, number 2, 2023. On page 3, right here. And this is important. This is on the WHO. And this is what we're talking about. Raxtosanamarine. <clears throat> there's, there's different variations of this, and the names are different, just so we can see that. So this... Messenger RNA, and it's exactly what they're listing, except for the important part. I guess they just left out on accident. Five inch, five cap, I think whatever that means, the five capped encoding a, and I mean like the whatever the right there is, like I think five feet, encoding a full length codon optimized pre fusion stabilized confirmation variant of the SARS CoV 2 spike protein. Flanked by five and three untranslated regions and a three polyadenylation. I mean, probably PEG. I think that's different, actually, than PEG. So I have to look into that. Because <clears throat> realize, I mean, this is my point, though. So what they, what they did before is pegylation. They used the polyethylene glycol. Now this is saying polyadenylation, poly-A. And then it says contains N1-methylpseudouridine instead of uridine. There it is. Very clear. That is mod RNA. So why are they listing it as mRNA everywhere? Because they play the, because they pretend that the same thing. They just, it's just semantics. They go, well, they're all messenger RNA. This is just modified messenger RNA. But that's not fair because people don't understand that. And the reality is even experts p- pretend that it breaks down super fast because it's mRNA. But the whole point is N1-methylpseudouridine modified RNA and the polydenylation and pegylation make it last longer. In fact, seemingly indefinite as it continues to circle your body. The, it, the spike protein, I would, I would add. But this is right on the WHO. We're being lied to. So it's the same stuff over and over and over again. So to the FDA page itself. So coming off of this, going off of the FDA page for she, uh, recipients and caregivers. Now, it's, here's what's interesting, by the way. So this is what I was talking about before in regard to the community, like the EUA versus the approval. So when I first saw this, I thought, oh, this is interesting. It simply just says your child is being offered this Pfizer shot. I'm like, well, that's weirdly focused. Why is it only the children? I was like, oh, I realized that this is only six months to 11 years of age. I thought, why is that? Right? Shouldn't there be a a fact sheet for all of them? And I thought, oh, then I realized that's because this is only for the emergency use authorization version. I thought, well, why wouldn't there be one for the other one? Oh, I, I know why now, because they're only using the community page. Think about how dishonest that is. You're changing this thing entirely and then just directing them to a page that's not even for the same thing. I'll show you what I mean. First of all, the only fact sheet you get about Pfizer under this conversation is for this one, for the emergency use. And it says, your child is being offered this brand new thing. Very concerning to me. And then under here, under under where it says, what is an emergency authorization? It says, the FDA has issued, issued an EUA to make Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine available during the COVID-19 pandemic. What is an emergency authorization? At the end of this document, it says, says, well, that's just more of it. It says the Pfizer biotech vaccine is not an FDA-approved vaccine in the United States. 
So making sure we understand that they're being very clear about that as much as they love to try to conflate the two things. Oh, remember in the beginning, they said, oh, they're the same thing. It's all the same thing. So many people said that. It's so shockingly ignorant. And in fact, you know what? In fact, let's just look at that, what it says down there. It's all, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm going to go deep on that in a second, but it says, EUA is in effect for the duration of the COVID-19 EUA declaration justifying emergency use of this product, unless terminated or revoked, which, by the way, has happened. Let's be clear about this. The FDA authorization applies to specific things under the medical countermeasures conversation. That's where it gets really interesting in regard to the military overlap in the DOD. But if the HHS has discontinued, which they have, their emergency, it's completely corrupt to just continue to argue that the shot that you did under that, just because it's continuing, because you continue to argue that the ongoing effects, which will last forever, which is what they're doing, I told you that in the beginning of this, that you can just stretch that out. I mean, that's just blatantly dishonest. Then it says, has this vaccine been used before? So here's my point about this. So they're conflating this information. Number three, It says millions of individuals six months of age and older have received a Pfizer biotech shot. And then it just goes on to talk about clinical trials. Okay, so none of this has to do with the the thing they're talking about, right? This is about XBB15. This is the new shot. And yet they're they're down here going, yeah, it's been given to millions of people. My point is, guys, that even caregivers are going to read that and go, well, there you go. They've given it to a bunch of people, so we know it's safe. But that's they said a shot, not this one. How do we? How does anybody read that and not think, well, that's glaringly dishonest? You're trying to manipulate people. That's the FDA for you. And then lastly, number six. It says, where was it? Can my child receive... The COVID vaccine at the same time as other vaccines, right? We just talked about this. Here's Mandy Cohen telling you, should I get my flu shot at the same time? Really? Oh, well, look at that. Simple enough, right? Answer is yes, totally. Just do what Mandy says. Well, this is interesting, Mandy. Here's the fact sheet right here. More actually one five for children, the most concerning, which the ones that you're forcing this on the most. Data have not been submitted to the FDA on the administration of Pfizer and COVID vaccines at the same time. If you are considering having your child receive them without a vaccine, discuss the options with your healthcare provider. Directly on their sheet. Pretty different than what they're saying outwardly, isn't it? Find that disgusting. Then it says, what if my child is immunocompromised? Immunocompromised individuals, six months through 11 years, may receive an additional dose. May receive additional doses. So because it's less effective, they go, we'll just take more. <laughs> Seriously, immunocompromised children, six months old. You're going to give them more of the dangerous thing that they don't even need, especially when immunocompromised are already more at risk. And it just seems, it's not just counterintuitive. That's, that's evil. I mean, I don't even understand how we make sense of that. And then, of course, again, it says, what about breastfeeding? If your child is pregnant or breastfeeding, talk to your doctor. <laughs> that's wildly designed. Even up here, you go, well, we don't know. You just you just skip that right there. My point is that allows doctors to go, well, I think it's safe based on what I saw on Fox or CNN last night because this is what they're reading. Because this 
is the sheet for recipients and caregivers. So when the caregivers read that and they think, oh, well, it doesn't say that I can't, they blindly trust it because that's what these people do. Pretty crazy. And here it is, again, on that older sheet as well as the new one. Now, the other one down here. Vaccine ingredients are also listed on the package insert. Now, note that we didn't really get any obvious information of ingredients on this one. Even more so, the community page is not even the right thing. Community. Updated 9-11. Now, I believe... Yeah, no, actually, I was, I remember, actually, wrong. It doesn't even say XBB on this entire page. It just says community. So they are willfully trying to conflate the thing that they pretended was allowed, that's not ever been given, arguing that because that's safe, this one's safe, with all of this, they're going to conflate the two things. For active immunization to prevent COVID caused by, it's for 12 and older. So for the, for the adolescents and all the way up. So if you look at the package insert on community, it is giving you the information about community. Oh, I guess they did add this in here. Either way, my point is that if you look at all the information, it is all, it's, I mean, I already made this point. It's all gleaned over. It's all inferred over from the other one because they didn't do any of this stuff. Let's read what it says here. Each dose is formulated with the, yeah, you, you notice what's not listed there? Alyssa says it right here. Nope. I don't see anywhere where it makes it clear that that is N1-methylpseudouridine-modified RNA. But it does say actually mod RNA right there. See, how confusing is that for everybody? They keep saying mRNA everywhere, but then they quietly make it clear some places. But my point is most people aren't even reading this. In any case, the bigger point in general is how dishonest it is to use this this community page, which they're just going to look up community and use the same information. And it's not the same thing. That's, that's intentionally dishonest. Now, here's the FDA page from September 11th, just simply saying, we've approved your request for the, the license for this new thing. And you let us know when you're ready to label this package, essentially, or whatever the time frame is. It's just, this, is this, to me, does not seem like anything other than a, what's the right term for it? You know, captured agency. Someone who just kind of, oh, am I supposed to do this now? Okay, got it. Approved. That's what it feels like to me, especially since we've had numerous examples of people resigning in protest more than one time. And they just, and even the times when the FDA arguably says we shouldn't do this, they just do what they want anyway. So again, the point is today, or what was this one from? Oh, there was a pediatrics thing in here I was going to read. Right there. Under pediatric requirements. It says, under the Pediatric Requirements Equity Act, all applications for new active ingredients, new indications, new dose fo- dosage forms, and new dosing regimens or new routines of administration are required to contain an assessment of the safety and effectiveness of the product and for the claimed indication in pediatric patients unless this requirement was waived, deferred, or in- inapplicable. Okay. So they're saying, oh, look, it's, it's, you have to do this when you change any of these things unless we just decide to arbitrarily waive that really important step. Can you guess what happened? We are waiving the pediatric study requirement for infants less than six months of age because there is enough, there's evidence strongly suggesting that the single dose community, which nobody ever gave to anybody, would be ineffective in this pediatric group. You're waiving the pediatric study for people that are likely going to be taking. Now realize, just because they're giving the emergency use authorization version of it, which by the way, is the same thing. 
Like the idea of commodity versus the older one is very different. But when we're looking, all they did was make the same thing and make it allowable under commodity for some people and emergency use authorization for the children. But it's the same product. It's the same dose. So they're going, whoa, we don't, it's not, it's ineffective for this group. So we're not going to study it, but we're going to pretend we can say they can have it as long as we give them the EUA version. You know why? Because they're not liable for that because they have indemnity for that. Guys, I mean, this is like written down corruption. It just blows my mind. Seroprevalence data suggests that a significant portion of the population younger than six months are naive to SARS-CoV-2. Data from the clinical studies in individuals six months through four strongly suggests that a single dose of community would be ineffective in individuals younger than six months of age. Great. So give them the Pfizer-Biotech one that is EUA because it's totally the same thing. And that makes sense, right? That's actually what's going to happen. Let's not forget that's what they're telling you, that they have two different versions they've allowed. One for uh, six months to 12 for EUA and then community for the rest. I forget where I had that. I think it's right here. Right there. I just don't even understand how we can't see. Some people can't see how blatantly dishonest that is. Hold on. Let me close some of this stuff really quickly. So this brings us to Albert Morla. Now think about the difference between 100% effective and what he says right here. The FDA has approved or updated COVID-19 vaccine. Again, not a different thing, but an updated updated booster for the for the this season <clears throat> for 12, 12 plus and granted e-way for children six months to 11. Like, I mean, it's clear as day right there. I should have just gone to the next tab. Of course, as always, I set myself up and forget to go to it. But six months to 11 versus 12 and older. That's weird, actually. I think he mistyped that because that leaves a, an opening between... I guess 11, 12, same thing. Anyway, the point is that they're the same shot, and we just showed you that. So how can you argue that it's ineffective if you give them commercy, but let's just give them the same shot or a different name, and that makes it somehow viable? As XBB straight, you know, all, actually, all I think that means is they're going to pretend everything works, but all that does is, again, like I said, it puts that one that they don't think is going to help in a category that they're not liable for, and then just sell it anyway if somebody wants to buy it, because they will. As XBB strains account for the majority of U.S. cases right now, not true. Again, unless you're just kind of broadening out this to mean anything that this might relate to, which is what they're trying to do, the vaccine can be an impactful tool to help Americans avoid becoming sick. Wow, that is a far cry from 100% effective stops transmission. But that's where we are today. And they'll swear up and down they never made that argument. It says emergency uses of the vaccine have not been approved or licensed by the FDA, but have been authorized to prevent COVID in age of 60. It's almost like he's putting out like a liability statement right there. Very strange. Now, talking about the EUA in general, let's make sure we understand that COVID-19, the emergency for that, was not renewed. The last time was on February 9th, 2023. As of May 9th, 2023, that has lapsed. Now, despite the fact that I proved to you 15 times that throughout this process, they let it lapse at least by a couple of days up to, up to a week and then reinitiated it, which means that that entire period they were illegally doing all this stuff and nobody cares. But in this case, it's been months. So they have, they have officially, as they told you, not renewed the emergency. Now, just to be clear on that, by the way, that means legally they can't just decide to renew it. They would have to reestablish a new one. But my, I would, I'm willing to bet you 
they won't have to go through all the things they did before. They'll amend it and say, well, it's, it's a different time. So we'll amend it to say if it's ongoing, we can just reinitiate it. How much you want to bet that happens? That's like everything else. Nothing means anything. Everything means nothing. They can just change what they want because, Ryan, you don't understand. Things are different now. That's kind of what we get from people, right? But the HHS, the Health and Human Services, which is above everything, NIH and all the rest of it, including the CDC, ended this. Here's what it says on, uh, this was uh, the, the 20th of March, 2023. COVID-19 Emergency Use Authorization Declaration. So this is one of the earlier amendments. On March 15th, 2023, the secretary amended the February 4th, 2020 determination made pursuant to Section 564 of the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act from this, regarding the FDA and determined pursuant to his authority under Section 564-1C that there is a public health emergency or a significant potential for a public health emergency. That's the change. And affects or has the significant potential to affect national security, or the health and security of United States citizens living abroad, and that involves a biological agent, namely a novel coronavirus from China. To the point, in 2023, in March, they simply added this to say, well, as long as it has the significant potential to affect our pro, well, we can continue to stretch this out. So all that means is, it, is we can be out of the emergency. Nobody can even be getting sick, but they can go, well, this one looks like it could get dangerous tomorrow. Isn't that what they say every time? The new variant. Well, we don't know. It's more trial could be more dangerous and we should get prepared. So just like we told you with those old documents, they always talk about the, pan, the pandemics of fear, keeping you in a state of perpetual fear to justify the next step, to justify. The, that was the WHO and the and HHS that called the CDC out back in the early 2000s for exactly that. Of course, everyone got fired and new people are in place now. That's how it works. The idea is ultimately that this is about maintaining emergency based on the potential risk of emergency. It's almost like the Bethlehem doctrine for the biosecurity state, right? We're, we're preemptively self-defending. We're preemptively defending ourselves against the next thing that's not there yet. But we, we see it coming. It might be there. So that's the real point for me right now. And we'll get into the next one. But it says they may issue... An EUA, an emergency use authorization authorizing, one, the emergency use of an unapproved drug, an unapproved or undeclared device, an unlicensed biological product, or an unapproved animal drug. So basically saying they can approve a drug that's not approved yet, under or rather emergency authorized a drug that's not approved yet because they argue they need it. They can take an unapproved use of an approved drug and authorize that, or approved or cleared device. You know, generally we're speaking, we can see, we saw the PCR test in that. We saw them do this with these, with these new novel things and arguably saying that they needed them because it was so dangerous, but we already know that's not true, right? We've already come back around to showing that it's not dangerous. It's less than the flu and always was. So right there is the point that should have collapsed, but it keeps going, right? So now we're at a point where they're continuing that argument and saying that it could get bad again, but it all stems from a time when it never was actually as dangerous as they said. So there's no benefits outweigh the risk. The risks have never been there, and their benefits are not clearly there. So the point is you're giving somebody something that is dangerous for something that's not dangerous. That's the reality of it, how it breaks down. But going forward, under the emergency use authorization page for the FDA, this is where we have some more changes. And this is updated as of now. Now, first of all, so we understand this, here's the differences. We have the three, three, the section 319 of the Public Health Act, right? This is the, the FDA side of it. 
right? So we have the HHS, which I think I said incorrectly before, the FDNC Act. Is for, so the HHS can declare an emergency because of the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act, or excuse me, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. That's, that's, the five, that's 564 of that act. The HHS can hand that down to the world or the country and say, there's an emergency. Then that opens up the ability of the FDA to authorize emergency uses of products like the PCR test or this novel gene therapy, right? So that's, that's the difference. Now, what's happened is the HHS has discontinued 564, but they argue because of an amendment, which I'll show you in the middle of an emergency, which makes no sense at all, that because of that, they can continue 319 because of the ongoing process, these ongoing effects. Well, we still need the PCR test, don't we? Well, why don't you just find it? Why don't you just do the due diligence and approve it then? No, no, we can't do that because it's not a viable product. And we have to pretend we're in an emergency and maintain that problem so we can keep not really doing our due diligence on these things that are hurting people is how it breaks down to me. But it says under Section 564 of the Food, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, when the secretary of the HHS declares that an emergency use authorization is appropriate, or rather declares an emergency through this, the FDA may authorize unapproved medical products, or as we said, unapproved uses of approved products and so on, right? When certain criteria are met, including that there are no adequate approved and available alternatives. So right from the beginning, we had alternatives. We had things that they did. That's why they ran from hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and all sorts of other things. I mean, even by the way, when they put forward remdesivir, which was very clearly and still is hurting people, and they all knew that based on their own science, technically even that wasn't an alternative, right? So the point is they just never engaged with the actual understanding of this. And then even when they approved Comirnaty or Spikevax, never gave them, but it doesn't matter. On paper, they were approved. Right then, they should have had to revoke the EUAs for these other shots. They didn't. That's, that's illegal. It's as simple as that. Now, it says, please note, a determination under Section 319 of the Public Health Service Act that a public health emergency exists. Right, So that, that's from the FDA side to determine that under their own act after the HHS allows that possibility. It says, such as the one issued on January 31st, 2020, does not enable the FDA to issue EUAs. On February 4th, 2020, the HHS secretary determined that there was a public health emergency that has a significant potential to affect national security or the health of security of the U.S., and at which that involves the virus. And that, again, so the HHS has to initiate it to begin with, which then allows the FDA to make these actions. So here's where the amendment comes into play. On May 9th, 2023, the HHS, at this point, the secretary was Bursera, signed the 11th Amendment. What is this, the Constitution? <laughs> the amendments to this act in the middle of an emergency? That does not seem valuable. I don't even know why that's allowed. But it says they signed the 11th Amendment to the declaration under the PrEP Act for COVID-19 medical countermeasures. Again, that's important to understand. It says this is a, med- a military direction. The secretary issued this amendment to clarify that COVID-19 continues to pose a credible risk of a future public health emergency. So we're not an emergency, he made clear, enshrined into this amendment, but we could be, and that's all we need. Does that make sense? So the point here is that a credit, and ask yourself why in the middle of this, or I mean, arguably not the middle, but the May 9th, 2023, but the, they would argue we're still in the midst of the problem. As this is tapering down, as everybody, including Biden, has said it was over, well, they shoehorn in this amendment that makes it arguably never-ending because it could come back. That's just simple corruption. 
And it says two new limitations on distribution, extend the time period for coverage for certain covered countermeasures and covered persons. Okay, so that's they just extended these things. And that is then under the under the direction of the FDA to say when they end. Or I think it was either the HHS or the FDA. Either way, they're allowing that to continue. When, and, it's, and it's up to them. I don't even know how that makes sense. Well, of course, because we pretend that they're authorities and we should trust them. Nobody should be thinking that way anymore. Or never should have. Clarify the time period for co- coverage of covered persons. Authorize under the declaration and extend the duration of the, de- of the declaration to December 31st, 2024. So there's your reasoning. They can amend this. They can push it out further. It blows my mind. Down here it says FDA expects the COVID-19 public health emergency declared by the by HHS under the Public Health Service Act to expire on May 11th, which it did. Now, you know, I think I may have mixed up the if I if I mixed up the FDA and the HHS when I was explaining that, I apologize. But the point is still between 319 and 564. I think I might have. In any case, the point is simple that HHS has to do it first, which is when the FDA can act within that. And what they're essentially saying is the FDA expects the public health emergency declared by the HHS to end on May 11th. But they make this very clear. The ending of the emergency, mind you, will somehow not impact their ability to emergency authorize countermeasures for emergency use. Because that makes sense, right? That's just ridiculous. It doesn't matter whether you pretend there's some kind of stipulation or law in place or regulation or amendment that says that's how it's supposed to go. That doesn't logically make sense. You are extending this forever. Now, I do argue it would make sense, even though I don't agree with because these things are dangerous, that you could say, let's just so, you know, the tests will still be needed because we may be going. Then again, my argument will become, well, then are you in the works of trying to make sure you can prove they're safe to then approve it? No, they're not doing that. They're just going forward forever with the PCR test emergency authorized or, in this case, the injections. So the, why would you continue to allow these to go forward indefinitely under emergency use authorization when you already have an approved product, which then violates that entire process. You get the point. Around and round they go. Now, under vaccines, you can see down here, the last one listed, by the way, and this, again, this is the community-approved side of things. The only one for Pfizer Biotech is all the way down here on 2020. The very first emergency authorization. That is still what they are allowing, to. they are using to give six-month-old babies the new XBB shot. An emergency use authorization based on something that has now expired that the FDA, or rather the HHS, has got an amendment to allow them to continue this for the prevention of 2019 coronavirus disease. That's it. And again, they even list right there that they went on to approve a version of that to become community. And yet they still pretend they can emergency authorize that, even though that explicitly makes it invalid. This is disgustingly broken. And then right here, by the way, just on the Pfizer page, discussing this, or rather this is under the BA45, but at the same point, it says the emergency uses are only authorized for the duration of the declaration that's, that circumstances exist justifying the authorization of emergency use of the medical product under Section 564B1 of that act, unless the declaration is terminated or authorization revoked. Well, that's where we are. Just because you alter that to make sense of it doesn't make it legal or safe. Now, if you want more on this EUA direction, I know it can be convoluted. There's so much around it, but I've got, done a lot of coverage on this. And I think it was my last one. I think it was right here where I went really far on it. 
and just kind of, yeah, I think that was the one where Biden made a point about this. But I, it's important to really understand the nuance of this because it really does expose the corruption of it all. Now, as I mentioned, the CDC at this point was, you know, just going to decide who would get the shots. Well, surprise, surprise, right before we went live, they came out and said, whatever the FDA said, <laughs> six month old EUA and the whole damn thing. It's exactly what happened. Big surprise. Just towed the line. And then also it's happening everywhere else, too. Here's Health Canada approving the same things for boosters as of the 12th, right? So it's everywhere on the same lack of information, the same lack of data, they do the same damn thing because this is a lot bigger than just the United States. Same thing in Britain, by the way. The latest COVID-19 variant, BA286. Oh, here's that point they made before, by the way. So if they're literally trying to pretend that this, but the, the shot designed for XBB15 is somehow able to affect BA286, assuming that's even really what's happening, I mean, first of all, it's an assumption, but wouldn't you be very, I mean, that they remove the BA2, uh, BA45 bivalent shot, right? Doesn't BA45 sound a hell of a lot closer to BA286 than XBB15? But sure, let's just pretend that whatever they say makes sense, right? But it's saying that it may be more transmissible enough, so we're guessing, fear-mongering, to have an impact in settings where people are close contact. So even though you've taken every shot we've told you that's hurt your body and made your, God knows what else happened, doesn't mean anything, and you may get sick, so we have to roll these out even faster, which is what they did. But also the flu shot, because why not? They brought them forward quick and now, in the middle of, I mean, like, before it's even fall. Does that make sense? It shouldn't. It's just irrational. It is fear-mongering, fear-based, and they're giving people things that are unnecessary and dangerous. And then, of course, just in case you want to recognize that everybody knows that, everybody, just check out the ratio. I mean, this is Good Morning Britain. That's a, that's a gigantic platform, guys. These people have a million followers. They have 154 likes and 828 comments. That's called the ratio. And as Jackie Lee points out, just here for the ratio. <laughs> just dropping some information. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Everybody sees through this. And these people are just mindlessly towing the line. And then on top of all of that, the HHS has been sending these out. Check this out. Guys, if you're getting this, do not respond. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that there won't be some repercussion for that. I just don't know how they could do that unless we've already seen them just take unilateral action and arrest you for Facebook posts like we did see happen. But it says, Dear Parent Guardian, Childhood nasal flu program. Okay, so here's my point before. They're aware of what we were saying. That's why they're going in the direction of the nasal flu concept, which you should run from. I don't know God only knows what's going on in there. With the realm of nanotechnology, that stuff scares me. I'm not saying I know anything in particular, but I do know that the shot they're giving them is, is in, I've already gone over what it can do and the fact that these things are live and that could cause people to get sick. And there's a whole conversation there, but they know that the, the shot in the muscle does not work for these things. They know this. So they just do it anyway. The point, your child's annual flu vaccine is due now. Now due. Now due? <laughs> it says it is important that you underline consent or decline the, the flu vaccination via the paper consent form. So they're demanding that you sign your decline. That's, that's, that's just insulting and rather invasive and alarming because you feel like they're trying to keep track or there's something's going to happen. A failure to do this, and by the way, that's your personal choice. It's none of their business. A, flu to, a, a failure to do this will result in further contact from them. <laughs> so that means no matter, even when you say no, I'm willing to bet you they'll still come back and be like, we just want to make sure you understand the document. So, and then if you don't sign it, they're going to come back and be like, we want to make sure you got the document. 
Either way, I promise you it ends up being, we need to follow up. So don't buy that. But it goes on to say, you know, you should get this because it'll help the kids not getting, you know, just blah, 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 whatever their narrative is. But under consent, because clearly they understand consent, right? <laughs> so stupid. A paper consent form is included in this pack, and we would kindly ask that you use the consent form. With pen, of course. Enclosed in this letter, please return the paper consent form to school within one week, as this will aid with our administration and planning process. So clearly they are using this for some purpose, planning of some sort. That's pretty obvious. Your school will advise you of school-based session dates. They're going to tell you you can't come to school if you don't take it. It is important to fill out the consent form whether you have consented to it or not. That's the second time they've said that. Failure to respond will result in further contact. Second time they've said that. Think about how it's so alarming. This is scary, guys. People that pretend that this is all, you're a conspiracy there, you understand. Whether or not this is about vaccination, if this is about anything else, you would agree it was alarming. This is invasive, and it is government overreach in its, in its clearest form. It's not their choice. It is not their business what you decide to do with your children in the context of, obviously, we're talking about medical treatments. But understand that these things, if you are secretly giving your child a shot that causes them to go sterile, well, you can be held accountable for that. And there's a crime that goes, same thing with the transgender conversation, right? Yes, they overlap. The point is that there are crimes in place. They don't have a right to step in and tell you that you have to acknowledge whether or not you're going to give them a flu shot. It's alarming. Oh, I wanted to read myself this. Well, I'll just read it here for you guys. No, that's what I was saying before. So just continuing with the mindset after all of that, that they will pretend in my mind that all the bad evidence of previous shots are just simply no longer valid since this is a new one. Even though we just showed you how they're willfully conflating these things and in fact selling you the same thing under a different name because, well, emergency use authorization. And it's the same platform, which I think is the bigger point. As Retsef Levy have pointed out, PhD, as well as a lot of other, but the peer-reviewed study from science.org, that the, the peer-reviewed study is finding that the mRNA platform itself is in fact driving the issue. And by that, we mean the lipid nanoparticle mRNA delivery structure. Just because they insert a new protein, which is equally cytotoxic concerning as all the rest of the spike proteins coming from this, the platform itself is likely causing the larger damage. And so it doesn't matter what they change. That's the real thing that people need to understand, or it, according to this study. Question it like everything else. Now, a few points I want to end with here, and there's not, I mean, I'm not, there maybe another 30, 40 minutes, maybe, but I want this is the latter half of the show, is to understand just a few little points about how much we were lied to and how dangerous they really are. And you realize, as you know, we could do another five-hour show with 1% of that information. It's everywhere. But just some of the things I saw today. Now, here's an interesting post from Dr. Drew. Again, somebody who was stressing that you should wear a mask and should get the vaccine. I just wanted to point that out. And I'm glad he changed his mind. Who knows if that's genuine or not? It seems like it is. He seems to be really harping on it. So good. But I just make sure we understand that people that were at the same point, the same evidence we were seeing. And he's a doctor and somehow wasn't able to work that out until way too late. I think that's important. But in an internal phone call, the FDA directors heard physicians' concerns about the mRNA and how Vayer's reports of adverse reactions were falling through the cracks, meaning ignored, including cardiac arrest and death of a seven-year-old. Days after receiving the injection, they have a recording of, these, of the FDA basically disregarding this. Now, I will say, it's a, I'm going to play. It's, oh, you know what? Did I, I thought I had a shorter clip of this. 
Well, I'm going to play the beginning of it. What I was going to say is, Dr. Joseph here, he, he's just he, he's just not presenting very well. I, mean, he's, I've, I think I've seen his work on Twitter. He's a smart guy. But the point is that it's hard to listen to. And I don't know why. He just It seems like he's kind of, he just can't get the point across. But I do think what he's trying to explain is really important. But I'll, I'll, I'll play a little bit of it. This is an important clip. Make sure you watch it. It's 18 minutes, but I'll just play the beginning here. top level of meet a meeting of directors of biostats directors you have some recordings legally uh, recorded yes uh, here I'll, I'll put the first thing here which is what they said uh regarding uh here i'll just play this here so it's um you've analyzed the total number of events um rather than the number of people who had at least one event so if you look at those tables at the top it's sort of number of people with an sae now this is the first thing that they brought up, the first critique of our study. They said we analyzed the number of events versus the number of participants. This is a seems like a statistical argument that's of, of irrelevance, but turns out that the FDA, for all of its previous drug studies, they don't count the number of serious adverse events that happen to people in a clinical trial. They count the they only count the number they only count the number of people who have them. So if wow. you're a person who has multiple Things And especially imagine in a trial where you're given two doses to have vaccine one, vaccine dose one, dose two. If you have a serious adverse, if you have a heart attack after dose one, then you have uh, a stroke or another heart attack after dose two. That's counted as one. And now the fact that the FDA just doesn't count the number of events at all, there's no reason to not also count that. I'm not saying that counting the number of participants is bad. No, no, no. They're both useful and give different information. FDA doesn't do it. And I would put out for anyone who's listening, if you want to go back through FDA trials, because they have not done that in any of our prior trials. And that is a much more sensitive. It will catch more events. It will catch more harm because people who are sensitive to a drug's serious adverse events, turns out they're probably sensitive to more than one. That's just how, how medicine works. If you're going to get one bad one, you're probably more likely to get another bad one. And that has been uh, not, uh, not what our FDA has been doing, which concerned, uh, which concerned our, our group, I would say, our entire group. And they also, I will continue on here from the FDA's meeting here, and they, uh, they didn't take care. I will play this video, this recording here. We don't. And before we go past that, and after this is where it kind of gets more a little convoluted, but the, the point is very clear right there, right? That if you're only counting the people who have them, that each individual can have four different serious adverse events. I mean, that's a deliberate effort to downplay the risk. I don't know how else you read that, but also realize what he's saying is apparently that's happening. Now, I, w- I can't tell if he's talking about all the COVID direction or every vaccine. Either way, it's alarming. That is, and especially when you now realize how seriously high these really are and how many adverse events we're seeing. Now realize if that's death, hospitalization, serious disability, there's a whole range of things that are happening there. People are getting hospitalized for myocarditis. They're having Bell's palsy. All these things are falling into different categories, but they are serious adverse events. So if somebody can literally have all these things happen, they just can go and mark down one. And that's assuming they even allow it to get marked down. If it happened within the first 14 days, if it happened and you know, what, there's all these reasons they have. Oh, it looks like they might've been sick before. Here's a pre-existing issue. We think it might've been from something. Oh, we'll get the box them out of the study. It happens over and over. I mean, the, whole, the pregnant study was horrifying when you realize that all these 
I mean, I was, I think, uh, I actually, I think I might have it in the show today. I don't want to jump the gun. I, I'm unsure if I, did, I pulled it out or not. It was about the pregnant women and the the overall number of of pregnancies that were lost, and they just kind of have an excuse for why. Terrifying. But let's watch this part. Don't do statistical significance testing of wrong. They didn't take her. I will play this video, this recording here. We don't do statistical significance testing of raw numbers of AEs because we don't consider that informative for safety um, for multiplicity reasons and also because, um, for instance, if you look at the list of AESIs, there are many things that are related and can be different manifestations of the same phenomenon. And then some of these things are completely different. Um, SOCs are unlikely to arise from the same mechanism of action. And locking them all together for a significance test isn't necessarily clinically logical to us. The 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 purpose here of what what these what they're saying here is they're not doing statistical testing, not statistical testing on <laughs> on on adverse events. They um they they are seriously. This is this is really insane <laughs> to me. They they no kidding. They are. They're, they, they, he's seriously is saying there. We only just look. If there's a huge difference that's so obvious that we don't need a statistical test, then we say, okay, that's a big difference. Let's look into this. That is, <laughs> that, that's absurd. Because then he goes on to say that the way that they look at these adverse events is they look at each one, and then there's a guy. This guy, he is a sent. That was the the one who is a uh, who's who's saying this. Uh, that when you when they identify them, they, they try to connect it. They go, okay, is this in the right amount of time from the, is this in the right amount of time from the vaccine? Do they have any comorbidities? Maybe that's what explained this. But when you're using a novel vaccine, how you're supposed to know what, what, what serious adverse events are coming. And this is, this was, this blew the minds of, all of the all of the researchers I was working with, physicians and scientists, that this is the FDA was doing this in such a sense. Here, this is one of my co-authors questioning them on this about not using the fact that it's a randomized controlled trial. You have randomized these two groups. If there's more of something in one of the groups, there's one reason why there's more. It's the thing you used, the medical intervention. That's the whole reason we do randomized controlled trials. When you do observational studies. When you find the difference between groups, you're always like, oh, is it something else that we don't know about that we're not thinking about? It's called a confounder. It's the reason observational studies are so unreliable. Here, they're evaluating randomized controlled trial data the way you evaluate observational data, which. There's so much of this dishonesty, like blatant on the surface. And you only hear from experts that know how these things work, like Jessica, like jo- Dr. Joseph Freeman here, that know this stuff when you see it, right? Now, just so you guys know, Joseph's a smart guy. He just Sometimes we just don't present well, like you're trying to formulate a thought. And I just found it hard to kind of follow what he was saying for that little stream right there. But overall, the point is generally clear. These, they're, they're, they're manipulating how these things are done in order to get the result that they want. There's a term for that. It's called p-hacking. I've t- we've written about this in the past. You take a grouping of data and you essentially like, like playing uh, uh, Yahtzee. You just keep rolling it out until it lands in a way that looks like what you're trying to solve or you're trying to find. And you go, Hey, it worked. And, and it, look, I mean, there's, there's people put studies out that like all the, put studies like that out all the time. 
And that's why there's a process and that's why you compare the body of work and not just one new study that they say is all that you need. The point, though, is that that happens all the time. And that's why even plenty of doctor, even Dr. Maholtra has made it clear that upwards of 50 percent of any da- any scientific studies in, in out in the moment are false or invalid. Experts will tell you that not because they're all dishonest, because they could just be wrong. But trust the science, right? It's always been stupid. Watch the rest of it. It's a good clip. But just reading what it says, the internal phone call, the FDA directors heard physicians concerns about these about all of these issues and just including children that were dying and just basically pushed it aside. Unbelievable. Steve, Steve Kirsch points out something that goes back to the beginning. Further analysis of the U.S. nursing home data, which is such a huge part of this. Once again, the vaccines made it more likely for the elderly to die. And this is backed up by everything we've seen so far, including the what is a 36% increased risk. We just showed you, according to Pfizer's own information, that they lied about. Big surprise. <clears throat> now, here is his page, the further analysis. And you can, there's all sorts of links and source material and data, but just for the take of time today, I finally got record-level data on the vaccine, and just as predicted, it's a disaster for the narrative. that The CDC nursing home data shows very clearly that the COVID vaccines made things much worse for the elderly. They don't want to talk about it, he says, but I do. You will continue to focus on this like a dog on a bone. It's time for them to face the facts, which good. I'm looking forward to it. But make sure you take the time, guys. I mean, this is peer-reviewed science. Like, it just, all of these data points are very, very clear. Everything is, it shows you, some of it's correlative, Right. But other than that, there's peer beat studies that show that on top of the fact, that, again, that we, the, the leading science shows you that this was never that dangerous and that the risks of the injections were dramatically higher. Than they told us, I don't really know what else we need than that. Now, also on top of this, this is actually still happening. And I wanted to play this at least. Uh, yeah, it's a short one. Let's play this. Wittgenstein, again, sharing this unvaccinated nurses still are being fired. Despite the end of the mandate. Now, this is what we talked about in the beginning of all this, where like the mask, for example, right in the beginning where they were like, right, the first kind of moment where it ebbed a little bit, came back early on, but it ebbed, oh, well, okay, we put the mask away for a minute. And the people were like, no, what do you mean? We're all in danger. <laughs> and you're going, wait a minute, weren't you just telling me to trust the science, which in your mind meant whatever Fauci said, right? Then Fauci comes out or whoever comes out and says, no, we don't need the masks. They go, no, that's not right. I'm going to wear it. So you're not trusting anything then. You're, there's no sign. You're just, if you're not even listening to the people you're telling me to listen to, what are we talking about? It's so backward. So in this case, there's a mandate. Nurses were fired because they wouldn't take the shot, which, by the way, is mind-blowing that ever actually happened. Then they removed the mandate, and the hospitals are like, yeah, fire them anyway. They didn't take the shot. So you're just choosing your own direction completely. That used to be illegal. In fact, it is still illegal. Whether or not there was a mandate in place or uh, some kind of emergency concept for masks, it was always illegal. Hopefully these administrators are held accountable for that. Well, to breaking news now, and Jessica Millwood joins us in the studio. Just the unvaccinated nurses are still being sacked despite the government ending the mandate. Well, oh, and by the way, it's in Australia, in case you didn't pick that up by their accent. Andrew, it's been just over a week now since the health minister and the acting chief health officer stood up and announced that the vaccine mandates for health workers were no longer necessary. There needed to be a two-week mandatory consultation period, but the mandate is set to go from September 25. Nine News can tonight reveal in the week since that announcement was made, several nurses have received termination letters, told they have been sacked 
due to not getting the vaccine. They've been told they can reapply for their jobs, but now have a serious misconduct allegation on their employment history. Wow. So this is, this is a, a vindictive choice by the people at the hospital that have decided on their own that this is what they, all, they should have done. You're, you're, you're not making the right medical decision for your own personal bodily autonomy. And so even though we're being told you don't have to anymore, we don't like that you didn't do what you were supposed to, so we're going to fire you. It's, I mean, it's illegal. It really is. But I doubt anything's going to happen in the, the, the hellscape that's become Australia in regard to medical freedom. But over, overall, this is not just Australia as we know. There's this happening in the military. It happened in the United States. It happened in the UK. It happened all over the place. And these terrible people, as I've said many times, are there because in the beginning, what they effectively did was push out anybody that had integrity and was smart enough to see that these things were dangerous. Simple as that. And what were they left with? People that don't care or don't know. It's pretty obvious. And those are the, those are the people now going, well, we did it and you didn't. So we're going we're gonna to penalize you as a person. Because we feel stupid because we somewhere in our minds know that we made a bad choice. But it's your fault because he said we made the right choice. I guarantee you people are going through that right now. Where they somewhere know, because it's literally everywhere, that they made a bad decision. But when they're in their group of people that also made a bad decision, they all high five and go, look at those dumb anti-vaxxers. And they love to make themselves feel like they're the right ones. Even though somewhere they still know that they're wrong. And that makes them so angry. So they take it out of the people that were smart. Simple. The Nurses Professional Association of Queensland, who are acting on the behalf of thousands of nurses and midwives currently suspended, tell me they've asked to be part of the consultation process, but are yet to hear back from Queensland Health. Of course, Andrew and Melissa, this comes at a time when we desperately need more nurses on the front line. Yep, that's also the point. When you desperately need more, you fire a bunch of them. Just like happened here, because that's real smart. Then you can claim a nursing shortage, and you can use that to justify the next thing you do. It's very simple. Now, by the way, just to be clear, obviously that was my opinion about what these nurses are thinking, but I genuinely think that that at some level is definitely happening. I think we all know that. Now, Del, Del Bigtree, also Wittgenstein put this out. Del Bigtree had a great clip here. Now, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I wanted to play this one part about it that really leads into the last two, one of the last sections we're going to do here in regard to the way this has already went down, right? What I keep telling you is about the earlier issues. They love to say Omicron was the reason everything changed, but no, we can already prove to you based on Walensky, based on the data he's about to show you that this happened long before that. that these things were already failing. That they were already, and Omicron was either an effort to change that or something else. I don't really know. Well, I'll leave that for you to decide with the last part we do, but listen to this clip. Is the press release that we put out internal CDC presentation shows it knew for months that COVID-19 vaccine effect, uh, efficacy was waning and kept it a secret. Here's a paragraph that gives makes this make a lot of sense. In fact, the data shows that for the final week of July, fully vaccinated individuals made up an estimated 73 percent of COVID-19 cases and 63 percent of COVID-19 hospitalizations in the 65 plus age group. Remember all of that? It's the unvaccinated filling the hospitals out. Not true. The presentation goes on to show evidence. Do you remember? Do you remember us doing that? And, and so was Del Bigtree, by the way. But remember us doing that in 2021, like exactly the same information. Now this is longer. This report he's doing is based on older data, but it's going out August 29, 2023. Do you remember how many times we were doing that until they censored their own data every week? 
was it week or is it every month? I forget when it was. I think it was every week. We would break it down. Did the math. It took me, you know, however long. I'd break it all down, add them up, and I'd show you. Here's the statistical difference. Here's what's happening in this category. And the point was every single time. Let me hear. Watch this. I bet you I could just search really quickly and find one just based on the number 73. So I think I, that, that number rings a bell. Watch this. Let me see if that even just pops up. As an experiment, I think we have so many versions where it was 90% of, of the people that are in hospitals are the, are the vaccinated or so on and so on week after week. And then it became not just the majority because they love to say, well, that doesn't make sense. It's the per 100,000. And then suddenly we showed you that per 100,000 shows you that they're more at risk every week upon after week. Let's see. Let's see if I'm right. By the way, while we're here, make sure you come into the search bar here and search for just about anything. And I'm willing to bet you we've covered it on this show. Well, there's there's at least 90%. I guess that is not a 73, but there's my point. March 2022, over 90% of COVID deaths were jabbed in UK's last week. And Pfizer MRA reverse transcribed into DNA. Like all these things. If you guys just take a search, there's so much that we covered so long ago. MRA transfers from vaxxed to unvaxxed, 2022. Changes in the vaxxed blood, Twitter limited hangout. Oh, look at that. So far ahead of that. Anyway, I can go. I can do this forever. The point, though, I'll just include this one since I grabbed it, is that this is easy to see. And Dell again was pointing this out as well. It's not. It's it's so easy to see how all of this is. is I mean, their own data is showing us this. Anyway, back to his point. Rapidly waning immunity as infection rates five to six months post-vaccination were twice as high as infection rates uh, in the three to four months post-vaccination. Um, so this... Now that, see that, sorry to stop one more time. That's the important part right there. Because they, they love to say, no, it's because most people are vaccinated. Therefore, they are going to be the majority, which doesn't even actually make sense when you really think about it. There would be an oversized amount. But if you're literally telling me it like you did in the beginning, that it stops transmission, you won't go to the hospital, you won't get sick, and then you have the majority, it's like that's obviously not the same thing. But overall... When you have twice the risk, and it ends up being four times the risk when you start getting into bivalent land and before that. The risk in per 100,000, objectively, their risk was two to four times more just getting sick with COVID-19. And really, I pointed out just anything. Your immune system was collapsing and you were just more susceptible to illness. And then don't even forget, going even further back, that we proved to you that the flu shot that was given out according to the Pentagon, had a 36% increased risk of getting you sick in general, but specifically with coronaviruses, according to the Pentagon. And they did a huge flu push right before this started. It's just so many of these points we forget about. Email wasn't covered in one of our requests. It just pops up. We were looking at some information, and then this just pops up because it has some of the words we were searching. Here's what that email looked like. Let's dive into this because everybody that's anybody was talking to each other in this. This is a huge one. Marianne Gruber, right? She's working for the um, uh, ACIP committee. Well, I think she was one of the ones that, that resigned in protest, I think. Gruber and somebody else, we were making fun of their names. Uh, there she is, Director, Office of Vaccine Research Review Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research for the FDA. 
Um, and Kraus Phil, what was she fur back? Maybe I was wrong. She's FDA, so she's fur back, not ASIP. You've got uh, Peter Marks, who is, you know, the voice that we've been seeing for the FDA the entire time, telling us, oh, the vaccine works great. If you don't get it, uh, then we can't stop the infection. So all of this, they get the email. What is this email? Well, here's what we found in the email. Basically, it lays out, this is from an outside study that was done that the CDC has funded. Our observational study, uh, VE findings show a very significant decrease in vaccine effectiveness against infection and hospitalization, hospitalization in the Delta phase. Remember, this is before Omicron right. of the pandemic for individuals vaccinated with either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. They both suck for those five to six months post-vaccination versus those three to four months post-vaccination. So they're reading this, right? The study has been funded and, and looked at by the CDC. I recognize that this information, which we brought to the CDC three weeks ago, Three weeks ago, with weekly updates since, is coming to you on a very short notice prior to the upcoming Burback, your FDA meeting. Which is where they approved this and went forward anyway. Please feel free to... Excuse me, author, we'll just, you know, went, uh, uh, authorized the, the forward step of it. And I believe that amounted to an emergency authorization. Contact us if you would like to further discuss or even present our summary findings on Friday. So this is the FDA. They're all sitting there, the FDA. I mean, you, you get the general point. Right. I mean, watch the rest of the clip. But the point is that this is something that they knew about. And this is before Omicron. So this game they love to play about how that's what changed it. It was working until then. (laughs) It's just blatantly not true. And the worst part is they know that and they're hiding from it. But here it is. Travel is back, but Omicron could change everything, says CDC. Here's Slate. Omicron changes everything. Only if you thought that COVID was over. Here is CBC. Omicron completely changed the pandemic. I mean, this was really what they were pushing. Right. This is 2022. This is a local paper from Indiana, Indianapolis Star. Omicron changed everything. Right. I mean, that, that's just what everybody was pushing. Now, here is an interesting point. Oh, did this go away? Oh, I forgot. See, this is why I do it right here. I got this right here. So Omicron breakthrough. This is really interesting. So really, this is a larger study. I think we might have even pointed this already about does SARS-CoV-2 whatever that may be, induce IgG4 synthesis. Now, what's interesting, and I'm going to go through this probably another show, is that I, it's a very clear point to make about this in any of these studies. As, as all these things we're discovering the vaccine are clearly causing, that's, that's undeniable. The IgG4 overlap, that's been peer-reviewed, studied. Even the mainstream has somewhat admitted that there's a, the way it responds is sort of like it would deal with it, like an allergy which is not what you want, guys. And it ends up being this long-term, never-ending problem. That's your long COVID vaccine-caused and psychosomatic overlap. But what they keep doing is they go, oh, but guess what, right? Omicron causes myocarditis. Omicron causes whatever else you're saying the vaccine does, which even though you can later prove peer-reviewed studies find, no, it does not, they don't care. So here's another study going, oh, it's, it's, it's COVID-19 that causes the IgG4 problem, not the vaccine, which is kind of the point to this. Now, that's what, what, when my point overall is when you go through those kind of studies, you almost ubiquitously find, even though they do studies from data that begins in 2020, that that goes to some point later into where people were getting injections. And if we know that 70-something percent of people got that first shot, well, it's an easy point to point out that they don't know how many of these people actually got the injection, and that's why this is happening. I'm not saying it's impossible that there's, not, there's, that there, that there's an overlap here with the whatever natural thing may be. But that's, that's like conflating hand-washing and social distancing with masks and saying that masks work. It's just, it's a confounding thing and that they know that. But for another time, the point for today is the Omicron focus. 
And guess what it says right here? Talking about the IgG, IgG4 point. Omicron breakthrough infections were reported to increase IgG4 production by up to three times in mRNA vaccinated individuals, showing that SARS-CoV-2 infection can also stimulate IgG4. Okay, is that what it shows? Or is Omicron something very different? It's obviously something anomalous in this point, but they're saying specifically three times the IgG4 production in specifically mRNA vaccinated people. So it's sort of like a antibody dependent enhancement kind of an overlap, like the mechanism wise, like you get the shot and then have a weird response to the next thing that happens. That's what it sounds like. But on top of that, it's the point about three times the IgG4 issue. Now, maybe, maybe Omicron was, in fact, something that was put out in an effort to stop the negative side effects for people that were taking it and going along with what they were told in an effort to minimize how severe it would be. Not maybe not realizing that would cause some kind of culmination of your body collapsing or on and on and on. All sorts of things we're seeing. Or, in fact, the never ending production of variants and pumping new things out, which arguably should affect more of the people that don't have the injection. But all of this is blown up in their face, it seems. Or it could just be something completely different. Maybe they're attacking all of us. But nonetheless, doesn't this show you something very interesting? I'd love to hear from the people like Jessica Rose and the rest of them on how this, maybe they've already talked about it, on how this plays into the larger point. Because, you know, again, I'm not a scientist in this regard or at all, but but I've studied a lot of this stuff. But I find that very interesting. A three-time increase in the thing that seems to be a major player in why this is all happening the way it is right now. Now, we just talked about, or in uh, 2022, the idea of whether or not Omicron was, in fact, the self-spreading vaccine, right? We know that spike protein shedding, the mRNA overlap, the idea that we've proven this is happening, and the fact that it's continually synthesized in your body, making it over and over. That's the self-amplifying part of it that Pfizer did write down in the beginning, and it continues to make it. So we know if it's continually made, there's enough that when it does shed, it can, in fact, get people sick, and we're proving that. So that, is that by design? Was that an effort to try to do some, you know, self-spread vaccine? Every, I don't know. But we know that something did shift and it definitely wasn't whether you were safe or not. They were saying everything changed. So here's the other part I'll include that you, if you didn't see, it's important that on 20, August 31st, we covered the fact that there's a new study saying that they have proven Omicron is not natural. And I'll, I'll show you that first. Here it is, August 15th where it says, we concluded that the formation of, the, of part of Omicron isolates, BA1, BA11, and BA2, interestingly, the things that they're focusing the earlier shots on, and now a version of BA2 is the thing they're telling you is newly happening, but it's saying that though it was not a product of genome evolution, as is commonly observed in nature, sorry about that, such as the accumulation of mutations and hom- uh, homologous recombinations. Furthermore, the study of 35 recumbent isolates of Omicron variants specifically BA1 and BA2, confirmed that Omicron variants, in their mind confirmed, that Omicron variants were already present in 2020. Okay, so if that's in fact accurate, I haven't seen many people talk about this, especially not in the larger you know, scientific circles. If that's true, not only was this something that is clearly being kind of pushed to the side, even though it's clearly relevant, but also was potentially around from the very beginning of this. So that says a lot, but then finishes by saying the analysis showed that Omicron variants were formed by an entirely new mechanism that cannot be explained by previous biology. 
So again, it's not an answer, but it adds more to the idea that we think something else is going on here, especially when you again realize where it all began. This is a statement from the Botswana government on Twitter. This, they used to have the gray check. This is their account. And it says very clearly, they put this release out. The new virus, again, my point before, B11529 is Omicron, whereas B11 something was the ones that were having durable, lasting, robust against variants of concern. You know, that's the point. It's definitely still happening, as the study points out. But here it is on November 7th. The new virus, whatever you want to think that is, was detected on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana on a diplomatic mission, meaning they had diplomatic immunity. That's why they were able to cross borders without being patted down and, and you know, making sure they don't have dangerous things. You can, diplomats can literally bring drugs back and forth. You, dip, you can't be searched. I don't know why that ever is a thing, but it says that they tested positive for COVID-19 on November 11th as they were preparing to return. Now, the point was they went on to say we're not going to divulge who they were, where they came from, because racism. Sure. So something clearly did happen here. It's very weird. Why wasn't the country they came from a problem? If they So they clearly either started with these four people or they came from somewhere where they caught it. Let's not pretend like four people at the same time will catch the new variant. With no one else before, this was something that was put there, if real at all. I don't know how we can't see that. Pretty interesting to me. So when we understand that all of this ties back to the idea of this and that we, there's studies arguing that it might not even be real, it's very possible that this might have been something that was used from the very beginning. And we could get into a lot more avenues of this in regard to the more technocratic direction or the great reset direction of it all. But for me, quite frankly, I just bring it back to the shot we're talking about today. And the idea that they're just continuing to build on this based on the thing that is different. I just, I mean, this is what the wild west for this guys. And I believe we're these people that are taking these things are being tested on. Now I think we're, we're at two hours and 40 minutes. So I'm not going to read all this. I did. I was going to go through it. I'll save this for another show. Inversionism posted this, but just to quickly tell you what it says to wrap it up. This is a, a TV doctor back in 2021 in March saying, that women are the the COVID, or rather, that COVID nineteen was turning their breast milk green. That's what he was saying on the show. Even though you can prove at the time he was saying this that there was already documented information coming from Pfizer that showed that this was reported in their own studies. So my bigger point about this is that we have that information. Sort of like when their Pfizer data is reevaluated, it shows that they lied about how dangerous it is. It's all there. Even when it's out there, you have reporters being saying it's COVID did it when you can prove that's not true. Same like with everything else we're seeing. So thank you for inversionism for continuing to do good work here. And this is there's a, there's also a Daily Clout article talking about how vaccinated mothers or fetuses, 23 percent. That's what I was mentioning earlier, died in these trials. And that's covered up as well. You can see it right here. 270 mother cases and four fetus baby cases representing 270 unique pregnancies. That's, we, we talked about this already. And what does it say? The outcomes for 270 pregnancies are reported as 23 spontaneous abortions, five pending, whatever that means. Oh, oh, excuse me, five outcome pending, meaning they don't know, I guess, which probably means they later died. It's being pessimistic, but premature birth. And also the point is, this is not this is old, so they've never followed up. So let's, let's, we, let's deduce that. Premature birth with neonatal death, spontaneous abortion with in, with also death, two each, so there's four more. Spontaneous abortion with neonatal death and normal outcome, one each. 
right? So no outcome was provided for 238 of them. That doesn't mean that they're okay, understand. But the bottom line is with what they even admit, think about that. That's why, what is it, about 28? Isn't that what they said? Just basic spontaneous abortion, 23. I don't know how people can't see this stuff. 23% of the mothers who were pregnant ended up having their child die. And, and just like we told you, they bump a bunch of them down because they think they just argue it's not related or they kick them out of the study for X, Y, and Z. And they pretend like it's not a problem. Pretty incredible. Read them for yourself. Now here is the study from 2022. The effects of COVID-19 vaccination which this is stemming directly from their own data and from reports about this as well. But this is this, you could see in here, this is from their data. And here's what it says. A milk color change to blue-green color was reported by three mothers after vaccination and after administration of the first dose and by two other mothers after the second dose. So five total mothers after injection had green breast milk. It's pretty easy to see what that means. At the very least, there's a problem. Doesn't seem like a benign thing to me, but the bigger point is that you can have people on TV then get trotted out to go, look what COVID can do. And that becomes the narrative forever. It's pretty, pretty obvious to me. And just to end, in case you missed it, Tamar, Damar Hamlin is now being put on the inactive list. The healthy, healthy, but inactive list. I think we all kind of know what's going on, right? The guy took these injections, in my opinion, had a heart attack, they covered it up, and now he's continuing to show the issues that we all know happened because of these injections. To be clear, that's my opinion. What we can prove, though, is that Commodio Cortis, Cortis, Commodio, Commodio Cortis was not what happened. And all of the, just like we talked about with 9-11, how everybody immediately was like, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. Or when COVID started, Trump went out and said, China, China, before anybody knows what's going on. That's what these governments do. Not just the U.S., but they're very clear about that. They set the narrative. They grabbed the microphone. They set the narrative. When this happened, we didn't. Even, the guy wasn't even done being dealt with on the field. And they're all yelling, commotion cordis. These people aren't doctors. Somebody fed that into them. The point is, we clearly have proven, based on expert opinion, that that's not even possible with the way that went down. So, here we are. Pretending nothing's wrong as athletes continue to collapse and children continue to die. And they're pushing a new one. I really hope this gets through to some people that might need to hear it because this stuff is not okay. Now, we will be covering a lot more stuff, guys. Oh, and by the way, I keep bringing to mention this. I, I still am planning. The, luckily enough, I saved all of the transgender stuff, the segment I'm going to be doing on a, on a bookmark that I had. But all of the stuff I had for the foreign policy focus got lost when my computer crashed. Doesn't mean I'm, I'm still going gonna, gonna to continue to focus on foreign policy, but it really frustrates me because I had some really important stuff that I could probably rattle off the top of my head, but stuff about Niger, and we will be talking about that. It's, there's more coming. A whole section on the Elon Starlink thing. Steve and I might do a little thing on that my, on my show coming up here, but I just think it's, it's frustrating because that stuff happens a lot, and there's so much work that goes into these things, things that are highlighted and organized and then just gets taken away. But it doesn't matter. We're not going to stop doing it ever because we care about this and we care about you. But just realize that, you know, this happens all the time. The bigger point was just so you know that there's a reason that I haven't gotten to that right away. But plenty more coming. I even saw somebody mention Libya in the chat. Quite frankly, I haven't even seen what's going on with that yet. But I will look into it because we do our best to cover whatever we think is important. And, yeah, I mean, it's an, kind of an impossible feat. But I think it's important to try. So thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions.
Stay vigilant. Excuse me. Oh. Gonna need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh. You now we got the new mandate going on. Right. Sorry. I have the um the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I I hear Moderna's better, but not gonna judge. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. Vaccine passport. Yeah, but I need proof of at least ten booster shots. Where's the... Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm going to use an allergy test. Lyme disease. Chicken pox. H1N1. Rabies tag. H1N2. All right, proof of the herpes vaccine. And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Let's see it. All right, hand, foot, and mouth disease. H1N5. Prostate exam. Whooping cough. I'm going to need your Netflix password. HPV. I actually have HPV. I need proof to show solidarity to the HPV community. I'm going to need to see your blockbuster card. Tetanus. Negative test for the Black Plague. Tetanus booster? I don't have it. I'll give it to you now. Proof of political party. Proof of diversity. Are you serious? We already have two white guys in there, okay? That's our limit. Okay, uh, I'm Jewish. What do you think this is, 2021? You're gonna have to be way more oppressed than that to get in here. You got like a 23 me test results? Yes, yes. 50% Ashkenazi Jew. 0.000027 Native American. Why didn't you just tell me that? You got an anti-racist card? All right, now I just got to check your white guilt score. 9.7, wow, not bad, man. Just got to scan you for male toxicity. Okay, quick set of questions. Would you have sex with a trans woman? Yes. Can men have babies? Yes. Do all lives matter? Yeah, no. Quote from Broad City to prove you can hang with gay people. Um, yes, queen. I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah, that's better. How many statues have you toppled this month? Nine. You support the police? No. Are all Trump supporters racist? Yes. How many abortions have you paid for? Five. I'm going to need to see your punch card. All right, four more and your tenth one's free. How many people have you canceled this month? 18, 19, including my grandmother. Racist? No, she still likes Louis C.K. Even worse. Ever been me too? No. Me three? No. Me four? No. Me seven? Um, me 69? Mm -hmm. I need proof of a black friend. Okay, how many pronouns are there? 92,627. All right, and finally, I need you to recite the full sexuality acronym. Uh, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-O-N-M-P-Z backslash question mark, greater than sign, less than sign, squiggly mark, a peace sign, at sign, hammer and sickle, poop emoji, and symbol for titanium. All right, just put your mask on and show them your receipt. You know, I actually lost the receipt, so... How are we supposed to give you your laundry if you don't have the receipt? 